Bloomberg. I'll say it again. I want the Wookiee origin story. I want a movie. We All Wookiees on the Wookiee planet. What's the Wookiee planet called? Isn't there a Wookiee planet? Wookiee land. Also, he's 200 years old. Wookiee? He looks great. Great. I'm surprised that hair's not gray. <laughs> Will it ever get gray? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently not. 200. He looks Still great. agile? Yes. When is he ever going to lose that accent? Because... What the... Yeah. He's been hanging out with humans who he, speak English for 200 years. It would be great if at the end of the solo movie he was like... <laughs> Jesus, that was caught for a long time. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Al Dozier. It's 68 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Pope Francis is accepting the resignation of a West Virginia bishop accused of harassment and abuse against teenagers and adults from his tenure in the Philly area. The resignation of Bishop Michael Bransfield was accepted yesterday after the release of that report last month that alleges more than 300 priests abused more than 1,000 kids over many decades here in Pennsylvania, and that report accuses Cardinal Donald Worrell of protecting abusive priests during his 18 years as Bishop of Pittsburgh. Some have called for Worrell's resignation. At least one person is dead after a series of natural gas explosions in northern Massachusetts. Several others were reported injured. Fire crews responded to explosions or fires at 70 buildings in the towns of Lawrence, North Andover, and Andover. Uh, They're about 20 miles north of Boston. Officials are blaming the incident on an overpressurization of a gas main, but they aren't sure what led to that. Governor Charlie Baker vowed there will be an investigation and people will be held accountable. Well, make sure to use your library voice wherever you go today. It's National Quiet Day. It's not really a holiday, but they say it's a holiday that was created to tell people to just stop and enjoy the silence. Peace and quiet are good for both the mind and body as it can lower your blood pressure and heart rate. So if you're being quiet today and somebody interrupts you, tell them to be quiet because you're celebrating National Quiet Day. A Missouri boy is, is expected to make a full recovery after a long meat skewer went through his skull. Doctors in Kansas City say the metal rod amazingly missed Xavier Cunningham's eye, brain, and major arteries when he fell from a tree last weekend. According to the Kansas City Star, doctors were able to wait overnight to remove it from Cunningham's head. Medical experts say the 10-year-old should be able to live out a normal life despite the bizarre incident. In music news, Bruce Springsteen is confirmed to headline this year's Stand Up for Heroes Veterans Fundraiser Concert. John Stewart and Seth Meyers are also on the bill for the comedy event taking place November 5th at the Hulu Theater in New York City. The event was first held in 2007 and designed to put aside our differences to honor those who have and continue to sacrifice so much. Tickets went on sale yesterday at noon. And Queen, among the artists honored with this year's Lifetime Achievement Award from the Recording Academy. Others receiving the prestigious award this week include Tina Turner, Emmylou Harris, Neil Diamond, and legendary studio drummer Hal Blaine. Meanwhile, the Academy also announced the October 5th premiere of Grammy Salute to Music Legends. That's in collaboration with PBS's Great Performances series. 
The concert features performances by Neil Diamond and Sammy Hagar playing uh, or paying tribute rather to Queen. Partly sunny and humid. Uh, showers and thunderstorms possible today. Temperatures in the low 80s. It's Steeler Friday. So we're going to be joined by TJ Watt. Uh, he'll be on the show at 820 this morning. Named AFC Defensive Player of the Week to kick off the season. So he'll join us this morning. Sean Collier as well. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network at 745 and the Borstal, boy, Borstal Boys in the DVE Coffee House. It's coming up at 915 this morning. PFT commenter from Barstool Sports going to be a regular guest this football season. He'll join us every Thursday morning late in the show. So in case you missed it, here's a recap of that from yesterday. PFT commenter, I wanted to have you on for this. We're, we're talking about the uh, Marky Mark workout regimen. Have you heard about this? I'm reading it right now as we speak. So uh, I'm seeing he wakes up at 2.30 yes. every morning. Is, yes. that, is that correct? That is correct. He that's, ta- for, that's a psychopath move right there. The, the <laughs> weirdest part is his prayer time goes from 2.45 until 3.15. Yeah. Like, at, at that point, God's like, hey, listen, I got to go, man. I gotta go. <laughs> 30 minutes on the phone, uh, you know, my, my battery's dying. I got people to talk to. There's a bunch of wars going on. I don't know if you've heard about it, but... Um, I, I'll, I'll do my best to make sure that your movie debuts at number one in the box office. Yeah. yeah. Well, do my best to make sure that your calves look extra sculpted today. <laughs> I'll do my best he's... to get the Funky Bunch back together for a reunion, <laughs> but I can't promise. Pr- i got to go. Praying for definition. Uh, what a psycho. He is a psycho. He goes, he goes to bed at 7.30? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 7.30 p.m. is when he goes to bed. Oh, my God. Yeah, he must be just a, a blast to hang out with. But here's the funny <laughs> thing. He showers. This is on his schedule. Do the math on this. 6 a.m. shower. The next thing he has is a 7.30 a.m. golf tea time. All right? Then he puts in an 8 a.m. snack. He has to remind himself to shower and snack. Remember to snack. Yeah. He's got two snacks. No, no, three snacks. Yeah. He's like a a kindergartner. Okay. 8 a.m. is snack. And then I have another snack at 10.30. Uh, so he showers what like three times? Yeah. He's, this is like this is basically my junior high school schedule right now. Always in the shower, <laughs> making sure I'm extra clean. You give extra clean. My what? first, my first snack is horn wedges. <laughs> Second snack, goldfish crackers. I like he has 11 a.m. family time. His kids don't go to school until 12:15 every day. That's family time. Got to work out first. Yeah, nothing says family time like wedging it in between like six workouts and five showers. And you you check off like five minutes with your kids and you're like, okay, I'm a good father. I'm a good father. And the the, the best of the last two, at 5 p.m. he has another shower, okay? Because this is after workout number two. And and he makes everybody eat dinner at 5.30 so he can go to bed at 7.30. (laughs) How pissed would you be at your dad? That's so weird. The, The worst part about this is he clearly doesn't have time to watch sports, so he goes to bed at seven thirty every every night and can't watch any of the primetime games. Like yeah. that's disrespectful. He acts like he's a big patriot. Yeah. But he's not watching America's game. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, that is very true. Uh, PFT commenter from Barstool Sports. Pardon my take. Podcast with us right now, dude. It's great to talk to you. I have some questions for you, and I want to run through them because I I consider you to be, uh, you know, big time, and, and you know you got your finger on the pulse of the NFL. Who had the worst week one? John Gruden. Ooh. Matt Patricia or Nate Peterman? I mean, Matt Patricia had a pretty bad week one. <laughs> um, as was pointed out by a few people, uh, 
he's you know he's got that pencil behind his ear. Yeah. <laughs> but but his play sheet is laminated, so he's like he's trying to scribble onto a laminated piece of paper with a number two pencil, <laughs> and he's supposed to be a rocket scientist. Like I don't understand what kind of school of rocket science scientry I believe is the correct it is. name he comes from. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the Lions had a really really tough week one. Um, John Gruden, I'm actually I, I flipped the switch on John. I'm now a believer in what he's building out there. I think he's just trying to shoot the moon. Yeah. And uh he's he's tanking this year. Like I don't I don't understand what else he could be doing, but he's getting rid of all of his good players. Um <laughs> He Mark re-signed Martavis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he brought Martavis back after saying he didn't want I nobody knows what the hell that guy's doing. And and with Marshawn, I'm I can see Marshawn just like walking out of the locker room after week two and being like, Hey, I don't I'm too old to deal with this stuff. Like screw you guys. I don't have to deal with John Gruden anymore. Um, I like how he in. sat for the national anthem and nobody even thought it was like disrespectful. They're just like, That's Marshawn. He just he doesn't know what's going on. He's just over there pounding Skittles. Yeah, the nice thing about John Gruden, you'd think that he would be a type of coach that would get mad at his players for for not standing for the the national anthem or whatever. But he's so focused on just football that I don't even think he knows what the national anthem is. I think he thinks the national anthem is I've been waiting all day for Sunday night. He stands at full attention when he hears the Fox NFL injury music. That is the like slow, morbid version of the theme song. He's like, that is the ultimate song of reflection. <laughs> so, and then Nate Peterman, boy, he had, he had a rough go in week one. 34 minutes as the starter. Yeah, but what a 34 minutes they were, man. We will we will never forget Nathan Peterman. Actually, I just ordered a Nathan Peterman t-shirt last night off his official Nathan Peterman store. Who knew that he had one? There's a <laughs> Nate Peterman store? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, they have one customer, and it's me. And uh, I've got my shirt on the way now. But he, uh, yeah, that, that will be a legendary performance. Like, those two games, you can't get any more perfectly bad than that. And I'm pretty excited to see my guy, Josh Allen, starting. Um, don't know if you've heard about this kid. He's tall. He looks good in shorts. He's got a rocket arm. He wins. You're a big fan. Um, yeah, Nathan Peterman, you know, he, he could play the stats are for losers card because, you know, on paper, he didn't look great. But as McDermott will tell you, we got to watch the film on him to make sure that we can, you know, really say that his seven interceptions that he's thrown in 30 minutes were actually that. <laughs> you never know. That's true. The, the tape doesn't lie. Rams coach Sean McVay, uh, uh, Bleacher Report yesterday had a video showing his uh, prowess at remembering him. He remembers every, he's got like the Mary Lou Henner thing. He can remember every day. He remembers everything. He remembers every play he's ever called, and they tested him on it, and he came through. It was spooky to watch. My question for you, PFT commenter, is how far back do you think Hugh Jackson remembers plays? Uh, Hugh Jackson doesn't remember what he hasn't had for breakfast yet. He's like he he already doesn't remember stuff that that he has hasn't done yet. Like he, Hugh Jackson is the end of that game in in Cleveland was so preposterous when when he kicked that field goal with 13 seconds left um, and actually gave the Steelers a chance to win that game. Uh, I, I have no idea what he was doing on that. Have Have you guys asked? Did you do the thing where uh, you asked Ben Roethlisberger if he knew that a game could end in a tie? Uh, no, they. Uh, it was uh, Terrell uh, Edmonds, our new, uh, our first round draft pick. He he thought it was going to the second OT. Okay, I imagine it with Big Ben. If you were just like, "Hey, Ben, a tie. It's like a hung jury, but for sports." He would get it. He would understand that pretty quickly. <laughs> See, you're a big J now, okay, and uh, journalist. And now that Antonio Brown has uh, thrown his hat in the ring of threatening journalists, along with Jalen Ramsey, uh, my question for you is. 
Have you been threatened by an NFL player yet? What was the threat? Because if not, I don't know if you can truly call yourself the Big J journalist. Yeah, I mean, uh, Danny Woodhead has threatened to have me assassinated a few times. <laughs> oh, no He's a real jerk. He's a real jerk, that Danny. No, um, I don't think I've been threatened by anyone, not physically. Um, I mean, I've, I've gotten to some battle of the wits with Chris. Chris Long has threatened me with a future of uh, global warming. Which, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's was specifically directed at me or if he was just sounding the alarm when we had him on the show. Yeah, he's a big, but, uh, big L. And, and you know what? Um, Lawrence Taylor, he didn't threaten me, but just like being in his presence, you feel threatened just because (laughs) he's liable to snap at any second, just his eyes darting around the room, just identifying weaknesses in everybody that he sees. Uh, That could be a threat. Lane Johnson is another guy who you sit next to him and he, all he has to do is just kind of look at you. You're like, okay, I feel threatened now. Um, So I, but but in terms of on Instagram or anything like that, no, I think people know that, you know, you catch me on these social media streets, that's where I can do some damage. In real life, then, yeah, I'm sure, you know, most NFL players could probably beat me up. I'm not going to say all because there are a lot of kickers out there. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, never been threatened in real life, really, by one. Although, I listened to uh, the most recent part of my take, and uh, your Yinzer accent uh, aside, in the very funny serial spoof that you guys did, I thought you were going to get beat up by uh, Michael Bennett in that interview. Oh, yeah, he's just kind of an aloof guy. Uh, Sounded like I he thought, was not okay with you guys joking around with him. No, he was actually fine with it. He, he was cool with it. That is, um, I guess we didn't release too many videos, video clips from that interview, but uh, he was fine with it. He's just kind of, that's by his nature, is to just like sit back and, and be a little bit aloof, and sometimes that doesn't really come across over uh, over uh, like an audio uh, medium. But um, yeah. You're making was, excuses for him only makes me think that the threat was real. Yeah, I'm blinking in rapid succession. Right now. <laughs> he, he was uh, he, you know, he was a good guest. We got him through a friend of a friend, and um, he had fun. And it, I, I thought it was okay, but uh, I guess sometimes when you have somebody who's like very low energy uh, at that time, then it doesn't come across as being like happy or, or joking around. And I thought that he did joke around a lot. Yeah, no, it. I mean, it's a great that that was a great podcast you guys dropped the other day. Uh, my other question for you: Doug Marone, coach of the uh, Jags, said he's so pissed off at not making the Super Bowl, he's never watched one. Now, yeah. is this something that the NFL should make a rule that if you're not good enough to get there, you're not even allowed to watch it? <laughs> Well, is this his way of admitting that he's like a little modern-day Mike Tyson? He's just selling his Super Bowl tickets on the side? He's like, yeah, I've never seen him, but I've got a lot of close friends that have paid me money. I, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with that. But I think that he uh, – I don't know. I, I think it, it's not a bad idea to institute a rule to force everybody to watch the game. I mean, the, the ratings need all the help that they can get. So <laughs> if you can get you know a couple hundred extra eyeballs on it, why not? Sure. Uh, with Marone, I actually I, – I completely buy his explanation that he just he gets so mad if he doesn't make the Super Bowl uh, that he doesn't watch it. And I mean, spending a lot of time in, in Jacksonville and Buffalo, that you know the odds are he probably won't make the Super Bowl unless it's you know 1990 through 1994. But uh, he's uh, he's such a football guy that I can I can see that explanation being true. He just gets like physically ill having to watch somebody else win a championship. <laughs> I can I can see Gruden doing that too. I can't imagine him wanting to watch anything that that he wasn't uh, involved in championship wise. 
Yeah, I don't think Gruden's ever watched a football game uh, that he hasn't been involved in in general. He's watched the tape of it. Gruden might have watched like the all 22 of every single Super Bowl that's ever happened <laughs> uh, or, or like the old uh, camcorder footage from the 1970s that he then replays for his, his offense to try to teach him how to run like a T formation. But uh, I, I don't I don't think that Gruden's ever watched like a television production of a show. If he, he does, didn't even know that he was on Monday Night Football. He probably <laughs> just thought that he was standing there just like talking to some weirdo, some short weirdo that kept talking about the game and never played. Do you think they just ran video of the game that was occurring in front of him <laughs> through a filter that made it look like it was coming through a Super 8 film? I, I like that idea a lot. Like Don Gruden's Google Glass is just like <laughs> your face into a VCR. That's right. BFD commenter, uh, last thing I have for you before we let you go, Dave Damashek, our buddy from the NFL Network, uh, talked about, you know, uh, Big Cat had brought up on your podcast the other day, uh, did you ever get to the point where you're old enough that your team losing doesn't affect you or doesn't affect your mood? And Damashek tweeted out yesterday uh, that it only is relief for him. He no longer even has joy. When his team wins, when the Steelers win, it's relief. When the Penguins win, it's relief. So I want to say congratulations to you as a Caps fan for now having won a championship. From now on, you'll never experience joy. It's only going to be relief that you didn't win, that you didn't lose. Yeah, you guys are speaking from a position of privilege over there. That's that's such a Steelers fan answer. Uh, you know, I just I'm I'm happy when they don't lose because it doesn't make my day worse. Like you guys expect to win all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm curious to know how how Pittsburgh handles a tie. Like what do you do for a tie? At least if you if you lose, you know that you can get drunk to drown away the misery. Right. If you win, you can get drunk to celebrate. But when you tie, what do you do? You just get drunk because you're confused? <laughs> yeah, you have a free understand. night. Anything that happens didn't really happen. There you go. Yeah, it's like the purge. Um, <laughs> last night, as a matter of fact, I, the, the Capitals were nice enough to send over some uh, Stanley Cup victory wine to me. I had a couple bottles. Um, it tasted very, very sweet. I think this is the start of a dynasty. Yeah. Um, as, I, as I said last year. Uh, as a vintner the, or as a hockey team? At both. Both. I'm yeah. going to get into wine like LeBron James now, As now that my team's the GOAT. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we enjoyed uh, a couple bottles of red wine around the office last night, so that was, that was pretty great. I have a question for you guys. Though. Okay. Are, are we concerned about Le'Veon Bell? Where are we at with that? Because I, I have a suggestion for you. Please. Please tell us. Uh, why, don't, why doesn't the entire city of Pittsburgh start a hunger strike until Le'Veon comes back? And then that way all of your deaths are on his hands and really see if he cares about this city. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not a bad idea. Although, you know... That might just be committing to mass suicide, though, because I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. Um, well, you don't think so? You don't think he's coming back at all this year? No, he'll come back I in mean, week eight. Yeah. You know, to get in a crude season, whenever that is. Yeah, because the Steelers could hold him out for two weeks if they wanted to and not pay him, which would screw him out of his season. So he has to come back week eight. Uh, I think he'll end up doing that. But look, this town's in love with James Conner, even though he fumbled at the end of the game. Haircut aside, they love that man. I like the haircut. I like it because uh, it's such a bad haircut that it discourages him from taking his helmet off in celebration. That saves him from the penalty. See, there yeah, you go. It's just... the penalty. What, so, like, with the monocle gate, though, like, what did you guys, what was your interpretation of Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell's monocle tweet? Uh, I just th- I thought that he was. It was uh, definitely shade. He, I thought. I I th- I believed his explanation that he didn't know a game could end in a tie, and that was him looking into it, into the rules. <laughs> All right. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah. I got a nickname for him now. I'm going to call him Monocle Lewinsky because <laughs> he's got a stain on him. 
<laughs> something that you guys will not forget. PFT commenter from Barstool Sports. The ESPN has the Berman Blast. We're doing Barstool Blast Thursdays uh, with PFT commenter and Big Cat until we come up with a worse name. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you guys. Dot com. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And the plot thickens for the Steelers on Sunday, Mike. That it does. Sports this hour brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Uh, not time to line up at the Duquesne Bridge just yet, but uh, Ben Roethlisberger did not participate in practice again for a second consecutive day yesterday. Roethlisberger's dealing with a right elbow injury. He had said on Wednesday, quote, it's bruised, I'll be fine. Uh, didn't say anything uh, along those lines yesterday. Didn't say anything yesterday. Uh, it's wait and see mode. And uh, if it turns out that Roethlisberger can't go. Sometimes there's actually a wolf. That is to say, the boy who cried. Ah, uh. It's been a while since uh, that we went through one of these, right? Well, I think that, you know... He gets banged up a lot, and he gets a lot of crap from people who thinks that he exacerbates every single injury. So people automatically assume, oh, this is he's just making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, you don't practice on Thursday? That's not... That's not... Uh, that's a development. Yeah, that's yeah, a deal. Um, he would be out there if he could. He couldn't yesterday. We'll see about today. In the meantime, the Steelers are preparing Josh Dobbs. The big question, is the new backup quarterback ready? Here's... Uh, New offensive coordinator Randy Feekner. Well, I like to think he's he's ready. You know, um, he he, sh- he has to be ready. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have a choice. But you know, I, I think any anyone probably playing in their first real game um, probably isn't ever ready enough. Well, that's encouraging, huh? <laughs> All almost out of the gate, the the decision to keep Josh Dobbs over Landry Jones. Now all of a sudden. Uh, Maybe we're going to find out as to the wisdom of that. I'm pretty sure the Steelers weren't anticipating that uh, they would have to go to Dobbs in week two, but when you keep the guys the backup quarterback, you know he's a play away. Always. Uh, my theory then and uh, now uh, would have been to keep four of them and to keep Jones as the backup but keep developing Dobbs. Uh, they decided to uh, potentially throw Dobbs into the deep end and see if he can swim. Uh, Josh Dobbs uh, said yesterday he doesn't know if he's going to play or not, but he'll be prepared for either eventuality. I know that if my opportunity comes and my number's called, to be ready to go in and play and play to win and compete at the highest level. And, you know, if I'm on the sideline again, helping Ben, um, seeing as much as I can see and helping him in whatever I can. So, you know, obviously it's a two-way streak to go either way, so you just got to be ready for both both um, situations. I tell you, if nothing else, this situation uh, gave us all a chance to talk to Josh Dobbs again yesterday, and he is uh, a fascinating study. Nothing worries him. Uh, he is supremely confident. I'm not saying this means he's going to go out and light up Kansas City, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to be too big for him from a, oh, my God, I have to play, what do I do now type of deal. That's he's, encouraging. He's going to go out there and, and do what his uh, physical skills allow him to do, and uh, react to the level of understanding that he has of the NFL game. Now, uh, what is his understanding of the NFL game after not playing at all last year and not playing yet this year? He has practiced. Uh, 
James Conner's come a long way in a year. But the quarterback position is a lot different. It's a big one. Uh, whoever ends up a quarterback uh, will have Vance McDonald available to throw to. That's also a development for the Steelers. McDonald uh, poised to finally make his 2018 debut against Kansas City. He had uh, all of three full practices at training camp to get ready. It's uh, not what he envisioned, but uh, that's the way it went down. Yeah, everything doesn't go, you know, the way it was planned uh, a lot of times. And so it's just, it's just adjusting. I mean, that's adversity. That's NFL. And uh, just trying to be a professional in that area, just, um, you know, it's not exactly how I wanted it to go down. Same thing, I'm sure, with the staff and coach and everything else. So uh, we just had to adjust. Stay tuned. Uh, Steelers will practice today. They will host the Chiefs on Sunday. In addition to Roethlisberger, cornerback Joe Hayden did not participate. Guard David DeCastro did not participate. McDonald, full participant for the second consecutive day. Tyson Alu-Alu upgraded from did not practice to limited. And Cam Hayward upgraded from did not practice to full participation. Eric Berry didn't practice again for Kansas City. He hasn't done anything since week one of 2017. So I don't think you're going to see him. And uh, that's bad news for Kansas City because the Kansas City secondary is a mess. Think of the Steelers at their worst on the back end. Wow. And uh, then factor in the Chiefs as being not quite that good. And you don't think there's a big drop-off with uh, with Cam from Joe Hayden? Oh, I wouldn't say. I think they can work around it. Okay. Uh I I think Joe Hayden played really well in Cleveland. I liked the way Cam Sutton battled and and came back from allowing the touchdown pass. Uh, that's assuming they start Cam Sutton again. They've, uh, Cody Sensabaugh is an option too. What about uh, go veteran? Any more clarity about De Castro? No, uh, just didn't practice again. And he has said, if I'm not myself, I'm not forcing it because I trust B.J. Finney. Words to that effect. That one, you know, as long as there's no other offensive line injuries, they're fine there. That's uh, that's the least of their concerns. The guy behind center is the most of their concerns. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not the guy next to the center. Right. On the right side. Uh, Thursday night football last night. Uh, who day? 34-23. The Bengals over the Ravens. Leading the division. Cincinnati cruising uh, in the early going, getting a big lead, and then uh, eventually closing it out. Andy Dalton, 24-42. For 265, four touchdowns and no interceptions. Three of those touchdown passes to A.J. Green. Joe Flacco threw for 376 yards but had two picks along with his two TDs. The Ravens had more first downs and more total yards, Randall, but they also turned the ball over three times. The Bengals didn't turn it over. That turnover stat's still a big one. Pirates in Milwaukee tonight. I mean, the 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 Bengal or the Ravens beat the Bills by like forty points, right? It was forty-seven to three or something along those lines. Well, is that the transitive property means that the Bengals are sixty points better than the Bills? Maybe. Maybe the Bills are really wow in dire straits. I thought that guy was going to clean everything up up there. Apparently, Nate Peterson Peterman's not the answer. No. By the way, Josh Dobbs and Nate Peterman were once teammates at Tennessee. No kidding. Well, they time. got Josh Allen. The Josh Allen era begins up there. Jeez, why didn't it begin last week? <laughs> I don't know. Couldn't have Seriously. Been. I don't know what they were trying to do. You draft a guy like that and then yeah. you play Peterman? I don't know. I have no idea. But we're not they... talking Jim Kelly, you know. No, <laughs> he only lasted 34 minutes. Yeah. 
That was too many. It was, that was probably 33 too many. Yeah. Pirates are in Milwaukee. Chris Archer against Gio Gonzalez. And the Penguins are on the ice today at 9 a.m., guys. Training camp begins. 56 players invited to camp. Do, 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 do. Maple Leafs went to uh, training camp yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, on their training camp roster, Brady Ferguson, formerly of your Robert Morris Colonials. Good luck to him as he... Uh, Tries to become the first Robert Morris player to make it to the NHL as a player. Former Robert Morris player Furman South has made it to the NHL as a linesman. Well, well. It's in the show. Yes. Yeah, one way or another, <laughs> he got there. Not scoring any goals, but, you know. He's not the organ player. He's getting a check. Yeah, exactly. He's in the game. That's right. Mike, proceeded with your sports there. Troubling news. About our quarterback. I, you know, I would say concerning at this point. Mm. Uh, troubling might be just a tad strong. Wednesday doesn't bother me. He, he no, Wednesday's, a lot of the veterans just take Wednesday off. Take not, it off. not practicing Thursday. Thursday's a big day. That's no bueno. Val, what do you got coming up? Uh, you should not hold in your farts. I Thank I you. Mean, it's, I'm not trying to give you... F- Val, have I ever done this? You're giving us fart blanche? <laughs> right. To your knowledge, you sit next to me. No, you. I don't think either one of you, to my knowledge, has ever farted in the studio. Not while you're here. Wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> but there's a scientific reason why you shouldn't. Ah, Me- medical, science. Medical reason. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network later breaking down this weekend's game. Also, Sean Collier will be uh, uh, joining us to talk about this weekend's slate of movies, The Predator and Simple Favor. TJ Watt, you're... AFC Defensive Player of the Week coming up at 820 here on your home of the Steelers. Still had uh, three sacks now. They haven't taken any more away since yesterday. Yeah, that's just some BS right there. Incrementally took away an entire sack from him. First yeah. it was three or four, then it was three, three and, and a half, half, then it was three. Sell! Sell! What the hell are they doing? Also, Borstel Boys in the Coffee House coming up after 9 o'clock today. Whoa. Each week we take Mike Tomlin's press conference and we put it through the Tomlin translator. It tells you what Coach Tomlin really meant. So it parses through the words to get to the actual meaning. And uh, so yesterday, of course, had the coach talking about uh, first he was asked about T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and switching them up and what effect that had. Switching T.J. and Bud, obviously T.J. had the great game. How did Bud do at his new outside position? I thought Bud had a similar performance in that he was productive. The switch revealed itself in his skill set. We'll continue to work. Okay, put that through the translator. Bud Dupree rushed so far past the quarterback he sacked the mascot. Okay, well, that's yeah, a little further than he probably wanted to. Uh, he was asked uh, to, to rank players and who was good or who was extraordinarily good. Mike, you mentioned good and extraordinarily good performances. Who fell under the latter category of extraordinary? You know, I, I thought TJ, you know, was, was one of it. One of the um, really good performances. I thought our, I thought our coverage units, Tyler Matakovich in particular, um, was was really good, um, you know. Um, just to name a couple. Okay, put it to the translator. I cannot name more than a couple. We tied the friggin' Browns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, By the way, who's Medakovich? I, I don't know. It's a new guy. <laughs> Medakovich, Medakovich, and Fitchman. He revealed that uh, Ben had an injury we didn't know about. <laughs> ben, uh, is this something new with his elbow, or is this from? <clears throat> Similar to in past years. Just the bumps and bruises associated with play. That was the post-game, if you will. We'll see how he is tomorrow morning. Okay, put this through the translator. and He's blaming his crappy game on a fake injury. 
There's nothing wrong with his elbow. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's unusually harsh. I can't believe that's what he meant to say. And then Coach was asked about uh, the defenseless receiver. I think Tim Benz asked him about, you know, how have you coached them to not uh, hit the defenseless receiver, to use the crown of their helmet, and how do you coach them against putting all their body weight on the quarterback when they sack him? In a very similar way. Um, the approach is no different. Um, none of us coach full body weight on the quarterback. None of us coach lowering the crown of our head to deliver a blow. So it's just identifying it as a point of emphasis, an element of play that we want minimized or removed from the game, mm-hmm. and the professionals do the rest. All right, through the translator. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch Nate Peterman versus Josh McCown, so you are not allowed to sack the NFL quarterback anymore, which is the only good thing about Bud Dupree's rushing technique. You cannot get a penalty for tackling the quarterback when you are 15 yards past him. All right, and then he- <laughs> Vance McDonald, tight end. Who? Yeah, still hurt. He was asked about that. Did Vance McDonald suffer a setback late last week? No. All right, through the translator. Vance McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm, that dude can suck it. E-I-E-I-O. You <laughs> think he's very upset with Vance McDonald, sounds like. Probably get an injury. I, mean, I would have never taken that, that from just the one word answer. No. Well, good thing we have the translator. This is what the, the translator's good for. He was asked about the weather. But when you look at penalties, um, do you take do you factor in much with the weather and whether they may have prevented a turnover or things like that, or do you just look at them straight as that was a, a, a negative play against you? I just look at penalties relative to our opponent. Through the translator. We should be able to rack up 1,300 yards in penalties and still whip the Browns' ass. <laughs> Hugh Jackson is their coach, for God's sake. Yeah, okay, and then uh, he was asked again about Ben's elbow. Is there any reason to suspect that Ben's elbow problem affected ball security or his ability to throw the ball? No. All right, through the translator. Stan, there is nothing wrong with Ben's elbow. <laughs> okay. uh, then, uh, Stan. <laughs> he was asked about the the review on the punt and uh, subsequent non-fumble recovery. Well, did you ever get an explanation why pretty much everybody thought or saw the ball hit off the Browns chub that you guys would have recovered off that punt, and except for the replay officials and the guys? Uh, why that play was not corrected, um, I have no idea. Uh, ask New York. Uh, they felt comfortable talking about the hit on Ben uh, was inappropriately officiated. I'd be interested to see their comments regarding that play. Uh, I haven't taken time to ask because I'm busy preparing for Kansas City. I'm going to get fined for this, so I better shut the <laughs> up. <laughs> he was asked about uh, if he's talked with Le'Veon. Have you had any recent correspondence with Le'Veon? I have not, no. All right, Who's calling him a mother under my breath every time I hear his name count as correspondence? <laughs> if so, then yes. I've been corresponding the hell out of him. <laughs> he was asked about James Conner's uh, fumble. How much do you assess, or how much does it affect your assessment of his performance given what he did when he has a fumble? How much does that detract from it, if at all? You know, I'm not overanalyzing that play. It's a play you'd like to have back. It's a play he'd like to have back. Okay, let's do the translator here. 
James Connors game was like if someone baked you a beautifully decorated cake and dropped it in a pile of horse manure. I don't care how good it looked before that. Nobody wants to eat it anymore. That's a good way to put it, I guess. Uh, once again, he, he was asked about Ben's uh, elbow. When you do say Ben's uh, elbow is, you know, bumps and bruises situation associated with football, does that indicate that he should be good for Sunday's game? Guys, I, I outlined it. You know, it may limit his participation at the early portions of the week, and we'll let that be our guide as we move forward. Okay, so the translator. And... Are you seriously asking me again? Do I have to hire a skywriter? There's nothing wrong with his elbow. It's not Beetlejuice. If you ask me three times, that ain't going to make the injury real. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, that was earlier in the week when we had the Tomlin translator. He might have a different answer this time. Ben, not practicing yesterday, indicating something is indeed wrong with his elbow. Bob Labriola with the Steelers Daily Report on DVE. I had to go to Connecticut for a job interview one time when I was in college, and I, my roommate had a car, and I'm like, dude, can I borrow your car? I, I have to go do this job interview. And he was like, yeah, uh, you know how to drive a stick? And I'm like, yeah. Doesn't everybody? Totally did, did not. Did not know at all. I had a really good idea on how to drive a stick i mean so <laughs> i taught myself how to drive his stick like that was how i learned how to drive wow was on a herky jerky yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh it was not a fun ride <laughs> engine <all>. cuts off <laughs> like going through tolls and stuff just <laughs> how terrified I'll, I'll were it. you i'll get it figured <laughs> when you had to stop on a hill Oh yeah, that was well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you don't <laughs> just yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> we should be okay. Peeling <laughs> <laughs> out on a hillside, just and then when you do go, <laughs> pop the clutch. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, you know, uh, it seemed like everything was going to be fine for Sunday. Sure, the report was Ben had injured his elbow, but it was just a bruise, and it wasn't a big deal. And the coach, the coach was only talking about it because, you know. People talk. <laughs> he said, I have to address it just because you people will make a big deal out of it. There's nothing wrong with it. This was in his press conference uh, the other day. Joe, can you pop me up over there? You got me uh, uh, up and ready to go? No? Oh, here we go. How about now? Mike Ben, uh, is this something new with his elbow or is this from similar to in past years? Just the bumps and bruises associated <laughs> with play. That was the post-game, if you will. We'll see how he is tomorrow morning. Bouchette's like, is this like, is he making this up right now <laughs> from past years? Is this a thing that he's imagined? No, nah, it's just the bumps and bruises of playing. That's what we were led to believe. Well, your starting quarterback didn't practice on the Thursday before the game. Does he have an official designation, like questionable or I th- I don't think they've had to they don't or... they haven't had to list him as that yet. Maybe he just said, Oh, my elbow hurts. No, I think and it's more then... than that. That's the point, Val. He did not <laughs> practice yesterday. The Josh he Dobbs still might era have just said, Oh, my elbow hurts. Ooh, ooh, my arm. <laughs> The Josh Dobbs era may, may begin on Sunday. That'll be interesting. Just saying. Home opener. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it, I'm not saying Josh Dobbs couldn't get a win if Ben were unable to play. He's 
Perfectly capable of getting a win. You know, there's a reason a backup is a backup. It is less likely that the Steelers would win. And an 0-1-1 start to the year? Yeesh. The Bengals beat the Ravens last night, so they go undefeated. 2-0. Atop the division right now in the AFC North. This is uh, looming large for the Steelers. What if Josh Dobbs comes out and lights it up and so does James Conner? Uh, I mean, I want the I want both of those things to be true if Josh has to play. What I more want to see is Ben Roethlisberger go out there and light it up. Well, yeah, that would be and Antonio the ideal. Brown light it up and Juju. And how about Vance McDonald? How about a tight end? Yeah, lighten Come it up. Come on, Vance, get in the game. Vance can't dance, <laughs> but he might this Sunday. He's been practicing. Michael have the full lowdown for you coming up. Plus, Dave Damashek of the NFL Network. TJ Watt, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week, is going to join us later this morning. Bill has left. Uh, he is in Paris as we speak on an eight-hour layover before he goes to uh, his destination to perform for the troops for the USO. Yeah, that's so cool that he gets to do that. Awesome. I wish we could do that. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would be great. He and Steve Byrne and uh, comedian Steve Simone, and I forget the the fourth guy, mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're headed. This is his third one. Mm-hmm. So we're proud of Bill. This is yeah. uh, pr- very cool. And by the way, it's not an easy travel thing for Bill to do this. It's not like the lap of luxury. It's crazy. Tra- the, the schedule for travel is nuts. Yeah. So he's going to be all out of sorts next week when he comes back because he doesn't get back to like one in the morning on Monday, Monday night. Monday night, yeah. So um, we probably won't see him till at least Wednesday. I, I know. Maybe Thursday. So uh, this morning we're uh, uh, we are billless. But Sean Collier will be here, and also Borstel Boys playing in the coffee house. Michael will have more on the Steelers coming up, and Val's got your news right now. What's up, Valerie? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Al Dozier. It's 68 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Dollar Bank. The world's richest man. I don't know if he's feeling guilty or what's going on, but he's donating $2 billion to help homeless families and create nonprofit preschools. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos said in a tweet yesterday that he and his wife Mackenzie are launching the Bezos Day One Fund with two goals. The first is to fund existing nonprofits that are sheltering and helping young families. The second is to operate a network of high-quality, full-scholarship preschools. He is the world's richest man with a personal fortune of $163.8 billion. In addition to Amazon, he also owns the Washington Post. Yeah, it still doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. How about pay your employees? Yeah, so they don't have to go on assistance. Yeah, so they don't need to benefit from your charity. Yeah. Just pay them what they're worth. It, it, what's, it's like a crazy percentage of Amazon employees are on public assistance. I don't know the number, but... So, I like, that guy that. doesn't pay taxes. He gets tax subsidies. How, why are we giving this guy money? Also, proof that there's no cure for balding. <laughs> because if the world's richest man is still bald... There is no good solution. A portion of the Pennsylvania Turnpike to uh, the east of us will be closing this weekend for bridge removal. That's in Bedford County. The work will happen over a five-mile section of the Turnpike. Traffic will be affected between the Bedford and Breezewood interchanges. Turnpike officials say drivers exiting at Bedford and Breezewood will uh, be shown detour routes. Your science tip and your health tip of the day. Do not hold in a fart uh-huh. because it will eventually come out of your mouth. Wh- what? 
A new study from Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles reveals holding in your gas isn't just uncomfortable. It can actually get reabsorbed into your circulation and end up escaping out of your mouth. Not from a burp, but from your breath. Shut up. <laughs> so let it rip, I guess. You've got to be kidding me. I hate to give permission to people to do this, but uh, research even found that if you hold it in for too long, it can basically erupt uncontrollably. Erupt. While letting things rip wherever and whenever isn't advisable, maybe a meeting with, with your boss, probably not a good idea, or in church, uh, you shouldn't hold it in for a long period of time. And for your information, the average healthy person has about eight quote-unquote gas releases a day, so it comes out one end or the other. If a person farts 15 times a day, wasn't that See, Mama, um, June. Mama June's... Her, her, a woman of wisdom. Her health advice. Yes. If a person farts 15 times a day. They're healthy. They're a healthy person. I mean, I don't know. I guess I never put a, I never had the counter, you know, like clicking them one. Sure, like a, like an umpire. Yeah, exactly. All right. I don't know about the mouth thing. That doesn't. Uh, it reabsorbs into your body and gives you bad breath. If somebody mouth farts on you. <laughs> That's. You, is that a burp, a mouth fart? No, you would know. No, because a burp is like a different thing. I don't know. Burps are... Burps get a bad rap, I think. How so? I don't know. I'm a horrible belcher. That in that I, mean, I, it, I belch a lot, and it, I'm good at it. It amazes me how many people out in public just belch. And, I belch all the time. <laughs> and have no... It doesn't even... They don't even blink. Like, there are other people around, and it just doesn't even matter. It's like breathing. Beer makes me burp if i'm drinking beer usually i'll also have like a zantac going so i don't get get the gird <laughs> but that makes me burp and so my one friend was like she was so mad at me for because i would just belch all the time i'm just i don't know i came from a family of belchers and she's like that is so disgusting you have to stop doing it she's like cover your face or something when you do it <laughs> so i started taking my lapel like this like i would unbutton my top button and like Dracula, I would cover my nose under my eye, and I stared at her every time I'd burp, and I would just go, Urgh. That can't be less annoying. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just did it all the time. I just stared at her and belch. Uh, it, it's better than a, a big loud one, you know, right in your face, right? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, would. I mean, I grew up with all brothers, so I don't get too offended by it. But it's more like if you don't hold the door open for me, it's just a common right. courtesy. It's like, really, you gotta let that rip right here. Really, Le'Veon. But it is worse to walk into a fart than a well. I tell you In what, public, some, a, str a stranger's fart. It's always bad to walk into a stranger's fart because I mean, that's really. <laughs> But a belch can be awful because some. Well, it, it, yes. A fart is like if you walk through a cloud of, of somebody else, like they just crop dusted or something like that. <laughs> you're just kind of like, I don't know. You're used to that smell. You don't think past. Oh, it's a fart. You don't think of the biology of it. But sometimes when you walk through a no, burp, yeah, you can smell gastric, like juices. juices. You can, can smell what they ate the for lunch. The depths of their gut comes out. <laughs> and it has like that rancid, sort of, like a garlic burp. Acidic. Yeah. You're like, oh, did you just throw up in your mouth a little bit? <laughs> it smells like you might have.
No, I walking into a stranger's fart. It might be the worst thing ever. I uh, I almost called out somebody on it once. Where at the mall? Yeah, the it mall was, people well, fart with in, impunity because there's so Spencer's. many people. Oh, it might have been a joke. Could have been. I don't think it was. Spencer's a great place to go and fart. <laughs> I guess you probably could. If anywhere you could get away with it, it would be there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. If I, I be, I'll belch in here, but I wouldn't belch in like in a library or at dinner, <laughs> in a, like at a restaurant. Wait, that's isn't that a compliment to the chef? I think it is. Belching? They don't think so. No? No, I often no. will run into the kitchen. <laughs> hey, just, I got something for you. Just, hey, <laughs> brr, great job. <laughs> Have you ever heard a song that gives you goosebumps? All it, the it, time. It just moves you. Well, researchers at Harvard found about 55% of people who have had that strong of an emotional connection to music were more likely to be healthier, happier, friendly, and even wealthier. They also found that women were more likely to get goosebumps from music than men, and for most people it happens very quickly, like during the first minute of a song. Uh, Music, though, not the only thing that gives some people goosebumps. 25% had them when someone said, I love you for the first time. 23% got them when their kid was born which I think way more than 23% should get goosebumps when your kid is born. Yeah. Uh, 16% got them when they saw their partner walk down the aisle at their wedding. <laughs> or are those nerves? I, I I teared up at a song. I don't think I've ever I, gotten goosebumps. I get goosebumps. I've teared up. I've done it all. I remember one time I, I was um, when Susan Boyle first sang. Do you remember that? Yes. And Susan, uh, is that the X Factor? Or yeah, America's I got think it was X Factor. Whatever. And I showed my girlfriend, and I was like, "You have to see this woman sing." And I was watching it, and I was like, "I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps. This is so good." And she was like, "Really up?" Just she was like, "Can I have your man card, please?" <laughs> no, no, no. I'm gonna need your man card. Punch, 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 punch. Gives it back to me. Although I think Whitney Houston's version of the national anthem probably gives me goosebumps. Oh, for sure. That's just yeah. so so tremendous. I told you I I went and saw Tori Amos one time and she did lo- Losing My Religion. I didn't even want to go to the concert. My, and <laughs> you got goosebumps. I, dude, I, I involuntarily <laughs> a tear came. Out. I might have had a clogged tear duct. I don't know. <laughs> but I definitely had I need an antibiotic. I, I don't know. I, I I my girlfriend's like, "What's wrong with you?" I was like, "Somebody littered over there," and I'm I'm very upset about it. She's like, you're crying at a Tori Amos concert. I'm screwed. Man card. Punch, (laughs) punch, punch, punch. Uh, The members of Motley Crue are set to reunite in the studio to record four new songs. Vince Neil announced the recording sessions on Twitter yesterday, though he didn't add any further information. But He belches in public. He farts with impunity. Absolutely. Vince Neil is an absolute gastric (laughs) pig. He later went back to Twitter to clarify the band signed a contract not to tour anymore, adding that they never broke up or said they wouldn't make music again, just that they're not going to tour. But uh, speculation is the new songs are for the film ad- adaptation of The Dirt, okay, which is their uh, autobiography. Paul McCartney's tale of doing unmentionable things that have been mentioned a lot this week. Oh, yes. With the, John Lennon. We can jerk it out. Yes. Uh, yelling out the names of celebrities uh, was the most talked about bit of the new GQ interview. The article is billed as the untold stories of Paul McCartney, but apparently that particular story has been out there for quite some time. Yeah. 
Uh, it was discussed by both Beatles. Lennon used the story as the basis for a first draft of a sketch in the long-running Broadway review O Calcutta, which debuted in New York in 1969. And McCartney himself discussed the evening in Many Years From Now, the 1997 book by Harry Miles, billed as an official biography drawn from hundreds of hours of interviews over the years. So it wasn't n- new. No. It wasn't breaking news. No, but it had sort of left the national or international consciousness there weren't any discussions about it and bringing it back up was probably not the smartest thing but now people know that he has a new album (laughs) if they didn't i mean he got a lot of publicity over if he wrote a song about it it would probably help him sell a lot more records i I no longer want to hold his hand no he's got to wash it first there at least there were a lot of people defending it saying like this is a very common natural thing that happens all the time with with young kids and i accept that it happens Mm -hmm. i think it is super weird not weird i mean i mean i i think yeah that's not what i was gonna say (laughs) we Um, did it in the fraternity house all the time (laughs) no that's just it i would not have ever been okay with this yeah like a fraternity house you think would be the most debaucherous do whatever place and did you ever hear of that happening in any fraternity house no 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 not at well i mean i went to penn state that wasn't happening but this is when they were way younger than that right weren't they like post well i guess they would have been in college yeah it would have been like college years okay i just didn't think it was i thought it was very much the exception not the norm not the rule i think it probably is Sean, have you ever heard of this uh, practice? Every time I've heard that, it was like, oh, yeah, my cousin's buddy at camp says they used to stand around. And, like, I've never heard the firsthand account of, oh, yeah, I did that all the time. You know, it's, I would not, if if someone came up to me and said, yeah, we used to do that, I wouldn't have any judgment on that i did i just (laughs) no i don't think it's happened i don't think it's happening right now you know uh, in your neighborhoods i get i get biologically and by all accounts most things i believe in that's not something i should shame and i'm not trying to shame it but being the catholic person you know that it's weird it's just it's just out of the norm i know there was a guy there was a kid in my grade school there was a story, and it wasn't so much a group participation as it was he was hanging out with kids who had not matured yet, and he was one of those people who could buy beer when he was 15, mm-hmm. you know? And he, I heard a story that he had decided, like, he was going to give gonna a tutorial. How, how it's done? Yes. And I, to this day, I think about that when I, when I see that guy. He tried to friend me on Facebook, and I was like, nope. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you're going to try to get me in some Facebook live. I don't know you're going to show me. <laughs> some, you know, he's hitting that wave button too many times. <laughs> he's hitting poke, poke, poke over and over. What are you poking me with? This is it's, not. <laughs> it's the same thing. I don't understand guys who get together for, and I don't know if this happens anymore. It's kind of the myth, but guys who get pornos for bachelor parties and sit around. Or guys who go together. to the strip club en masse. You yeah, a whole bunch that, of you sit down and just sit there in the creepy chairs and. But at least that's in public. If you do that, you're going to get arrested. No, but it's still creepy. I mean, 
Guys at hey, a stag party. you and party. I have gone to a strip club together. So. Oh, yeah. Well, we had a stripper uh, actually give Val a tutorial on how to uh, get pregnant. Have a, have a boy. Have a boy. Oh, that's nice. You have to stand on your head. Yeah. You know, it's It's a place for education is, is what it, it is. It You're going to learn. definitely education. You're going to learn Olympic and Garden see. In uh, Vegas. And smell things. It's going to, you know, it's enlightening, really. Val and, uh, and our then producer, Nick. And I, we went. I'm like, we're going because we were doing shows at the Hard Rock. Or yes. No, okay. And then no, we, no, no, New New York, New York. But we were at we're, the Hard Rock yes. with Kevin or Valentine. Valentine. Yeah. From uh, what the hell? I think is I don't know. Kevin. It's Kevin James's brother. Yes. He was in the the King of Queens. Yes, that's it. And so he had done our show the week before, and he was going to be in Vegas. We met up with him at the Hard Rock. We're hanging out, and I told Val, I'm like, we're going there. You got to see what this is like because it is the Vegas ones are not like going to the ones in McKee's Rocks. The only thing I remember is that the ceiling was really low. Well, it's like it? a, it's like a comedy club. You don't want to have too much space, <laughs> right? You lose all the acoustic uh, resonance there if you. There's, I think there's a tipping point. If you're going out and having some drinks, and it happens to be at a strip club, and you're having a good time, great. And then you'll hit a threshold where it's like, wow, we just surged into creepy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 on one occasion, I was with a group of people, and we bought somebody a lap dance, and then you're like. I'm watching my friend in a moment just silently, right? I'm just like observing Cause someone you can't else. Touch. You can't well well and, and if you're not if you bought it for someone else, you're just kind of sitting there like, mm-hmm. Yes, that's going well. Yeah. yeah and, so you have to have a little more of a plan than that. Last time yeah. I was in Vegas for a bachelor party, uh, we got a stripper to give my buddy a lap dance, but I bought hot dogs from the uh <laughs> they had a buffet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then and so she was wearing a hat. And I made her put the hot dog. I gave her money. I'm like, put the hot dog under your hat so he can't see it. I'm like, and once you're giving him a lap dance, I'm like, pull the hot dog. I just start slapping him in the face with the hot dog. <laughs> so she did that. And she started slapping him with the hot dog. And it was like, it was the greatest thing ever. But then I realized later, I'm like, that was probably more degrading for her than just having her just sit there and dance. I mean, yeah. hey, will you Did slap him with some food? It? Or or it livened up the night, you know? <laughs> You're 14th in a row, you might be like, hot dog, sure. I just, She's probably been asked to do a lot worse. It made me laugh uncontrollably, because he was like, what's happening to me? It's just, it's just, it's just being slapped with a hot dog. It's like that Rolaids commercial. What? Where the food slaps you in the face. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. It was, uh, it was an act out of his uh, uh, oncoming GERD. <laughs> Heartburn heart galore. Forecast today, partly sunny, humid showers and thunderstorms possible. Temperatures in the low 80s. It's 68 at DVE. Folks, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kid around here. We are in a whole lot of uncertainty right now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your quarterback Ben Roethlisberger did not practice yesterday. That's no bueno. That is not a good sign. Wednesday, no big deal. He doesn't practice Thursday. This is more of a dire situation than most people would have uh, been led to believe. Mike Pursuta with an update on that. Plus, we'll talk with Dave Damashek of the NFL Network, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week. TJ Watt will be on the show around 820. want to remind you the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Tom and Tuds in Aspenwall. 225 Bud Light 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Tom and Tuds. We've had a lot of response about Tom and Tuds in Aspenwall because we had not heard of this bar before. And uh, everybody has been uh, regaling us with stories of hanging out at Tom and Tud's yeah, with Jack Lambert like apparently place. hangs out there, which that's like seeing Bigfoot, right? <laughs> he doesn't come out that often. Tom and Tud's in Aspenwall. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. DVE.
sports. Mike, pursued with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. A little worried about Big Ben not practicing yesterday. Oh, you should be, Rabbit. You should be. Sports this hour brought to you by Hummus Auto and Truck Supply. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, unofficially questionable. We'll get the uh, questionable, probable out stuff today. But uh, this is uh, a development. Roethlisberger didn't practice on Wednesday, which was no big deal. He didn't practice again yesterday because of his right elbow, and that is a much bigger deal. Uh, stay tuned to see if he can practice today or play on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. In the meantime, the Steelers uh, might be in a position where they have to dial up the bullpen phone, and uh, they might have to call on Josh Dobbs, the second-year pro and the first-year backup, who was kept on the roster at the expense of former backup Landry Jones, the been-there-done-there there been there, done that, veteran backup, and the, the Ben Roethlisberger confidant and sideline advisor and all that stuff. So uh, stay tuned on this one. Things are happening fast already for, for the 0-0-1 Steelers. Uh, I can say this. Nobody has seen Josh Dobbs play in an NFL game that counts. Uh, but he is a fascinating kid. Uh, he was an anomaly when he was drafted because he's an aerospace engineering major mm-hmm. and uh you know not the average nfl quarterback prospect we to say the least we didn't have a lot of those on the team before no. this but he's not just a rocket scientist he's got athletic skills he can play the game and he's gotten a lot better at it in the last year plus practicing with the steelers and playing in preseason games he lit it up in the preseason finale against carolina looked but but Fantastic. he had the support of the fans before that. It, it it is remarkable to me how he had a surge of support from the Steeler fans with no evidence to really back it up. Because they uh, hated Landry Jones. It was because they hated Landry yeah. Jones. Well, people yeah. probably turn on Josh Dobbs at some point. Too. Well, as soon as he throws an incompletion, if he <laughs> ends up playing. Yeah, I got news Sunday. for you. If he plays Sunday, that turn could be quick. But uh, let's rewind for a second back to that Carolina game. He lit it up, and he still looked like a dead man walking at that time. Everybody thought he was going to get cut. I shouldn't say everybody. I thought he was going to get cut, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. But it it appeared, based on their history, they would keep Jones and cut Dobbs. But uh, Josh Dobbs went out and played well anyway. I asked him after that game if he thought, based on his outstanding training camp, if he felt better about his NFL prospects now than he had when the Steelers initially drafted him. No, not at all. Not at all. I know um, it'll all work out. I love this game. I'll leave it all out for this game. So um, I'll be a starting quarterback. No worries. I'll be a starting quarterback. No worries. I wonder if he thought I'll be a starting quarterback on September the 16th against the Kansas City Chiefs back in August. Uh, Look, as you pointed out, you put somebody in that vice president seat, they're a heartbeat away. And he's happy to be there and uh, ready for whatever comes. He does not uh, worry about getting cut. He, he was unconcerned then. He's not sweating out, oh, my God, what if I have to start on Sunday? That's just not how he's wired. It's not how he operates. I can't control him, so why worry about him? You know, at the end of the day, a lot of things are thrown at you, you know, early, you know, throughout your life, whether you're at this level where I was in high school, college, and a lot of things I couldn't control and won't be able to control moving forward. So I don't worry about those things. I just control my attitude, my preparation, my readiness, and try to take advantage of the opportunities that come at me. Have you always been like that, or did somebody impact that to you? I've always been like that. Um, you know, I think it comes from my parents, you know, what they've told me, you know, 
instilled in me, um, you know, calm, steady every single day. Just take advantage of the opportunities, maximize the opportunities that are in front of you. Never look ahead, never get too down, never get too up, but just stay focused and just continue working hard and things will work out for you. So they have thus far in my life, so no reason that that won't continue. Things have worked out thus far, no reason that won't continue. What a confident, clear-thinking, grounded and poised guy this this Josh Dobbs. Seems like is. you're really trying to get me prepared for Josh Dobbs on Sunday. Well, no, I'm not. I don't know how it's going to work. And I think, you know, I, Ben Roethlisberger being the competitor that he I is. I still think Ben's going to play. I find it hard to believe that an elbow would bring him down. But then again, a toe brought Jack Lambert down. So For good. Y- you never know. I just, it's his throwing arm. Uh, it's his right elbow. So If it's his left arm, who cares? But Well, he does, but... Would have hurt, but it wouldn't stop him from yeah. playing. It w- did it happen on the uh, the second to last play where he, he, he fumbled? He said it was on the second to last play. Um, he also said Wednesday I'll be fine, but he didn't say that yesterday. He didn't say much of anything of note yesterday. Um, I'm just trying to kind of introduce you to Josh Dobbs here in case he plays and try to allow people to understand that this is not your average young guy trying to make it in the right. NFL. He's got... Um, a clarity of thought about him that is really remarkable, and it really attracts people to him. I think he's charismatic; uh, everybody likes him. He's always in a good mood. So week two, none of that's going to help if he's got to you know fit it in a tight window. But I don't think he's going to go out there and his knees aren't going to start knocking together, and he's not going to go, "Oh my God, what do I do now?" Week two, we could have Josh Dobbs and James Conner in the backfield with B.J. Finney at guard and Cam Sutton at cornerback. Or some variation thereof. Not if, ideal. If Dobbs does well, what shirt's on sale in the strip Monday morning? Is it Dobbzilla? Ooh, I or, like that one. Oh, that's not bad. Or do we assume knowledge and do like Rocket Man? I I would go to Rocket Man. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by the aerospace. Yeah, thing. it goes Rocket Man. I think so. It, you know, just here's the idea: how young he is, and and Mason Rudolph, the number three guy. Uh, when I interact with these guys, I, I always go to college football because yeah. that's, that's, everybody likes talking about that. So whenever whenever I see Randy Finkner, the offensive coordinator, I see him coming off the practice field or in the hallway, I'll give him a boiler up because he went to Purdue. Mm-hmm. And he, he likes that. I did that in front of Josh Dobbs and Mason Rudolph one time, and they started laughing. And then Finkner got defensive, and he said, hey, you guys should know Purdue's the cradle of quarterbacks. And they said, well, what quarterbacks have gone to Purdue? And Randy Finkner said, ever hear of Len Dawson? <laughs> Jim Everett. And they said no. They never heard of Lynn Dawson? <laughs> so then we started telling the story about the, you know, the famous picture of Len Dawson smoking. in the Super Bowl, smoking a cigarette and yeah. dumping the ashes in the Coke bottle. Yeah. And uh, Josh Dobbs, oh yeah, I remember seeing that. The guys really used to smoke. And I said, they used to have ashtrays nailed <laughs> to the wooden lockers at Three Rivers Stadium. And these two guys were just floored by that. They, they, they couldn't it didn't compute. Yeah. You know, the modern athlete sure. doesn't drink and smoke and all the stuff that the old athletes used to do. Well, the first radio station I worked in had ashtrays all over the place, and I couldn't even imagine that now. Oh. They used to smoke in the stairwells here. I used to smoke Years in the stairwells ago. here. Josh Dobbs can build a rocket. He's not sure who Mike Phipps or Len Dawson or Bob that, Greasy were. That is crazy. Didn't Jim ever go to Purdue? Yes, he did. All right. They've had, they've had uh, many... All right, we got Dave Damashek of the NFL Network on the way. T.J. Watt, your AFC uh, Defensive Player of the Week. 
will be on the show at 8.20. Sean Collier is here from Pittsburgh Magazine. The Predator, a new one out, and a simple favor. He'll review those for you. Borstal Boys in the Coffee House. My trip to the Millvale Music Festival, I'll tell you about. If you're planning on going this weekend, I highly recommend you go, by the way. The Clarks are playing Saturday night, a free show yeah. in downtown Millvale. They're playing cigarette? I don't know. I saw a lot of people smoking last night. I bet that one would go over <laughs> good. Yeah, it's Randy Bauman and the DBE Morning Show. We'll have TJ Wan on momentarily. Well, half an hour. Uh, Sean Collier is here from Pittsburgh Magazine with some movie reviews for you. And we have Dave Damashek from the NFL Network a little bit later on this morning. Val, I went to the first night of Millvale day- Days last night. Yeah, big uh, big weekend there. Let me tell you what. They got music all weekend long. Saturday night, the Clarks are playing there. Free show. I cannot believe that. It it's First of all, it's super cool. And kudos to the folks at Mr. Smalls who set up the stages. Mm-hmm. Because... The main stage, it's like the backdrop is so scenic. It's so cool. It's on, is it Grant Street? Is th- I think that mm-hmm. is, That's right. yeah. Okay, so it's right on Grant, at the end of Grant. Yeah. Okay, like furthest away from the exit. And then the street is lined with vendors, games of chance, rides like for the, the kids. your carnival stuff. Right, but the, they also set up a coffee house stage, and it's aesthetically very cool. They have all these patio lights and stuff, so that in between the main stage acts, you can just go over and hang out under these tents, and there's icy light. You know, you can grab beers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, But I went down to see Chet Vincent do Bird Watchers, like, you know, the album he had last year, which was... Just phenomenal. You know, Mm -hmm. he has a song called Laughing Through Your Tears, which I think is as good as any that's been written in the last couple of years. And his band is phenomenal. And Recluse was playing last night. And they're, you know, debuting songs from their upcoming album. Mm -hmm. That was phenomenal. And Jim Donovan and the Sun King Warriors played last night, too. Great bands. Uh, Totally. And the whole time I was sitting there on the bench having a beer, thinking it's like 75 degrees at, you know, 830 Mm -hmm. last night perfect night and Millvale is just such a cool little town and you know where are all the scenesters from uh, Lawrenceville <laughs> where, are, where are all those people who want to have pickles. an authentic Pits- Pittsburgh experience harvesting bespoke pumpkin mustache wax well, yeah, they're pickling we're, we're into I'm fall sure. mode I guess isn't uh, the Grant Bar the is that the name of the bar in Millvale I love the Grant Bar it's great that's like the big the big one yeah, old school. Where you can go and like have a big sit-down German dinner. And don't or you they can have pies? The Aren't they famous yes. for their pie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything I had last night was great. Uh, I had a couple slices of pizza from Frank's and uh, just hanging out with the people there. But my favorite moment I have to tell you about, because this just reminded me so much of like growing up in Erie, hanging out at this festival. And because it's just like, you know, the same kind of setting, same kind of blue collar folks are there. And this part especially reminded me of it. They had a car cruise yesterday. Oh, yeah. All right. It's always a huge. So they had these huge trophies that they're giving away for the winners of the car cruise. Mm -hmm. Now, and they also had a dunk tank, by the way. I'm not sure what that benefited, but they had a dunk tank. They had an axe throwing. Oh, nice. Uh, The lumberjacks folks were out. Yeah. 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 They were set up. You could get up and, and throw axes and stuff, but. Uh, Recluse is playing, and they're absolutely kicking ass, and it was great. And I was just, I just kept thinking to myself and saying to my buddies, like, this is incredible. And then ran into a bunch of Pittsburgh musicians were down there and mm-hmm. stuff, just loving and thinking and saying the whole time, my God, this is going to be jammed this weekend, yeah. Friday and Saturday. Especially, you know, the Clark Show is 
That'll be big. There's a Pink Floyd tribute tonight, I believe, but tomorrow's, uh, like, you know, the Clarks, their new album. That'll be crazy. Uh, so in the middle of the Recluse set, the people from the car crews, they just wanted to go home, and the shows were running late, so I think they were told they were going to be on before 9.30, mm-hmm. and it was 9.30 now, and the shows were probably running 25 minutes late. So they were like, well, you know, wow. we're not waiting for that. And they busted up on stage in the middle of Recluse's set, and they're like, hey, everybody, uh, we got to stop the show, give out some trophies. <laughs> we got business to take care of. <laughs> for the car crews. So then Recluse is up there, and they're like, are we are we done? <laughs> What's happening here? And so they, you know, they made their announcements, and uh, you know, the guy was like, yeah, "I want to thank everyone at the borough sure. for making this happen." Oh yeah. And then they gave away the car cruise prizes. The first runner-up, uh, I wrote it down. The first runner-up was for a uh, uh, an '86 IROC. No, yeah. I think his name is Jeremy Chachowski. They said I was, I was trying to keep up to date. Meanwhile, Recluse is on stage <laughs> the whole time. They were right in the middle of their set. Do they're, we they're, start playing Born to be Wild? They're giving, or? they're giving away big trophies, and people are coming on the stage and, and grabbing the trophies. The Jay Savant won second prize for his 68 Camaro, and I, and people were going crazy. I mean, this was this was a big part of the night. Hey, man, car cruises are huge. Oh, I know, dude, my dad was a part of those when I was growing up. Yeah. I mean, we went to swap meets, car cruises. It was, yeah. It was a big part of my youth. Best in show was a, I thought they said 55 T-Bird, but I didn't think they started making them that early. So, so I, then it should win. If it uh, came yeah. before they existed, <laughs> then yeah. True. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, they gave away all of these trophies. They had a big Monopoly board. They were ripping raffle tickets off of. The band is up there the whole time wondering, <laughs> are we are we done or do we keep going? So they played through their set after that. And it was like the funniest thing in the world to me that that happened. It was... <laughs> That's very festival like. So festival like. So Spinal Tap Puppet Show. That's <laughs> the That seems totally normal to me uh, growing up in Franklin. Oh yeah, I for- mean it's just Yeah, what's weird about that? <laughs> Awesome. That's, that's, hey, yeah, you sound real good and everything, but we got to go home, all right? All right. We got business to take yeah. care of. But that's the cool thing, that a lot of, uh, you know, county, you know, if you're at the county fair, you're at, you know, uh, uh, Franklin Days, what is it, the Apple Festival? Th- that is one of them, yes. Yeah. The, 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 entertain- the entertainment will be like, hey, Frankie and his cousins practice in their garage, and they're going to come out and play Crocodile Rock. Yeah. And this instead is this unbelievable lineup of musical talent. Yeah, yeah because talent. Mr. Smalls put it together, so it's right. just... Top-notch talent. Like, yeah. the entire weekend in Millvale is full of badass musicians. So get out there and check it out. I highly recommend it. If you can, Uber in. Because oh, yeah. it'll yeah. it'll be a little easy. Parking is a premium there right now. You know? I, I didn't put this together till now. That's going to be going on in Millvale tonight. But at Mr. Smalls tonight, Guar. Guar is at Smalls tonight. Wow. So you are going to watch the Guar crowd and the Millvale Days crowd mingle. And you could go down just for that. Just set up oh, a lawn yeah. chair. Well, I got news for you. If if you would have told me Guar was playing last night down there, I would have yeah. been like, yeah, that seems like, oh, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. It was a blast. And uh, I had a lovely time in Millvale. Go down. There's no place like that. It's just scenically so cool. Oh, Millvale. Millvale's beautiful. And, and you know... 
for five, seven years now, we've been like, this is the next hot neighborhood, and it, I think it still is. It it's, already is. It goes. It, it's moving slower than a lot of the, you know, the Lawrenceville's and East Liberties that where it was kind of here's what we're going to do with this neighborhood. But it's you know a really cool place to to pitch your tent right now. My favorite uh, uh, story last night was there. I was looking for a beer. I'm like, Can you, are they selling beers on the street, or I got to go into a bar or whatever? And this woman who lives there is like, oh. You can just go over there and grab a beer. Don't worry about it. She goes, you should see Halloween. I'm like, what What do you mean? And she's like, when we get trick-or-treating, parents walk up. They got a whole they got a whole giant eagle bag full of six packs, and they're just pounding. What? I think that happens in just about every neighborhood. This sounded a little less trying to conceal it. Like, mom and dad didn't have it, uh, uh, you know, a wine and a Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> this was, we're popping pounders. <laughs> go down. That sounds like fun. Hey, I'm telling you, it's uh, set up for the kids, too. I think you'll have a blast. But go go hang out in Millvale this weekend, because the Millvale, uh, uh, is it street festival or music I think festival? it's Millvale not- Music Festival. It is. I think it's Millvale Days now that I think about it. It is Millvale Days. It's Millvale Days Festival with music. There's there's two stages and a DJ. So at the other end of Grand Street, they had a cover band Mm -hmm. down on the other end, like playing like kind of dancey songs. Yeah, and then they had a DJ who he got. I think he got the short straw because he was kind of on a side street, and he was like playing, not like. Hip, not like electronica. Yeah, he, EDM. It was more like an oldies DJ guy. He's like, all right, like Joel Miller. Here's one from the crickets. Exactly, like DJ Joel Miller. <laughs> Val and I, going back to our eight one four roots. All right, what do you got next? <laughs> uh, well, since uh, football season is in full swing, we're going to talk about we're going to talk tailgates. TJ Watts will be joining us, the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Dave Damashek from the NFL Network, Steelers Chiefs Sunday, a one o'clock kickoff. And all of the pregame festivities starting at 9 a.m. here on your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Don't forget to take the Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge at DVE.com. The grand prize for week two, pair of tickets for the Millvale Music. No, for the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers Baltimore Ravens game, September 30th. We're not eligible, but I'm playing. Are you you're playing? Sure. DVE.com uh, for rules and regulations. You must submit a lineup by 12.55 Sunday, Val. I started Vance McDonald this week. <laughs> You're bad at this. Berg. Speaking of neck, Val's neck is cold, so she uh, she's, <laughs> she's hey man, don't put great... her business out there. Don't she's put like... her neck business out there. <laughs> That's a nice segue. Well, you... <laughs> I don't mean I felt it and it's cold. I mean she's t- she told me it's cold, and th- then she suggested she needs dicky for women. For women, now dickies are those things, of course the the turtlenecks that are just the neck. But I already have a great name for it. What the hickey. The woman Dickie? Yeah, Dickie for her. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Please don't put that on the packaging. <laughs> no, you have to. Well, you have to do a lot of explaining to people who are there for something else. <laughs> I'm here to get Dickie for her. <laughs> Wait a second. Huh? Hold on. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great name. But I think it's an awesome name. Self-explanatory. I beg to differ. Dickie for her. All right. Well, I'll get you a dickie for Christmas this year. <laughs> Hey-o. Hey-o. TJ Watt, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week coming up. 
Joining us live here on the show, Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Val's got news right now. What's up, Valerie? He's trying to clean things up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. He's an above-the-board kind of guy. Like a nice you know. young man. Yeah, exactly. Get, get him right out of the gutter there. <laughs> Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Al Dozier. It's 70 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A Hurricane Florence has made landfall. Florence came ashore this morning in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. As a Category 1 storm, Florence had already been making its presence felt well ahead of landfall. Emergency officials say over 430,000 customers in the Carolinas have lost power. Moorhead City, North Carolina, and New Bern have taken some of the hardest hits with about 10 feet of storm surge reported. That's led to dozens of people finding themselves trapped by floodwaters and in need of rescue. Florence is also wreaking havoc on air travel. More than 1,300 flights along the East Coast have already been canceled today. So that is less severe than they thought? Yeah, well... The wind, I think they don't they judge that on wind speed. Isn't that how they designate what category it is? I don't know. I have to tell you, I have not watched a lot of the storm. Well, I think that they're worried about it just sitting and dumping tons and tons of rain. Gotcha. Uh, Forecasters are anticipating uh, some remnants of Hurricane Florence could hit our area. By Monday, meteorologists believe the heaviest of the rain, though, will remain to the south of the Pittsburgh area. There's still possibility of flooding, though, along rivers nearby. Members of Fayette EMS and Murraysville Medic One are on their way to South Carolina to assist in Florence recovery efforts. They are part of the National EMS Disaster Response that will help out along the border of the Carolinas. And with much of the world paying attention to Hurricane Florence, and not only that, but aren't there like five or six tropical storms and hurricanes in the Atlantic and Pacific Mm -hmm. all right now churning? A new study says severe weather affects some people more than others. Researchers found 85% of Americans admit to having some degree of severe weather fear, a full 10% describing their fear level as extreme or quite a bit. The fear causes people to experience feelings of anxiety and helplessness, which I guess if you're right in the bullseye, then you would definitely feel that. Mm-hmm. A new study has found bacon can really mess with our brains. Researchers found that eating bacon along with other processed meats like beef jerky, salami, and hot dogs may triple the risk of suffering from manic behavior with symptoms like hyperactivity, euphoria, and insomnia. These symptoms can lead to delusional thinking and risk-taking behavior, landing people in the hospital. It's, from it's, too much bacon and... It's meth. It's meat sal- meth. <laughs> yeah, meat <laughs> salami. Meth. In other food news, this Sunday's National Guacamole Day. Oh, well, that's nice. Good for an NFL Sunday. Do you the pay- avocado, boy, I tell you. Very popular. They put a lot of money behind the marketing of the avocado. They have commercials during the Super Bowl. I, I don't know how. They The guacamole lobby is powerful. Very powerful. It's big, um, big guac is running everything. <laughs> do you pay extra for guac? Are you willing to pay extra? Yeah. It yeah, depends meats. where. I mean, well, if don't I'm... they always... Isn't Chipotle the only place that they make you pay extra? Yeah, they didn't used to. I mean, you can order guac as a side dish. I haven't been back to Chipotle in a while. I, I, I just... I'm afraid I'm going to be the next, like, <laughs> victim. <laughs> I just don't want to get chi Yeah. You know? But I... They had a bad run. I know, they did. And then I kept going to them because I was so devoted and I was like, I don't care. I'm going to stick with them through the tough times because that's what you do in a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, they 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 had a couple more. Well, they just recently had an outbreak at a 
some Ohio, like around Columbus. Really? Yeah. Another one? But I think it was a sick worker got everybody sick. I, I That doesn't make it any better. They need to have a little better quali- quality control there. You know, people with the norovirus keep showing up on that <laughs> job well, shift. I don't know why. Devoted employees. I always like if you're at a restaurant, the, uh, I, I want the table side guacamole until you realize that that really puts a damper on the conversation while the guy's there. Oh, yeah. You order it, and you go, oh, great, it's going to be fresh, and we're going to see him, and then you're... So, um, yeah, we were we were deep in a conversation about what's wrong with the relationship of everyone we know, <laughs> but now uh, I guess we're just going to talk about peppers. Everyone likes peppers, right? Let's How long have you been... Uh, mashing fruit. Mashing guac. 38 not a lot you can do. No. will always pay extra for the guac. Will you? Yes. It's Love really it. the deal. I like I told it. you, the whole avocado toast, like, I couldn't get craze. on it. Either couldn't could I, it. until I had it with an egg, and then I'm like, yeah. oh my God. I feel like it's too trendy. Me too, and I hated it for that reason, like, and I'm not telling giving you, in. Dude, it's delicious. It's a good one-two punch. I'll, I'll wait till the- Salt and pepper the crap out of it. Put some bacon on it, if you like, I'll wait pal. till the craze is over. Till it's done, then maybe I'll try it. When, once the cool kids stop? Once yeah. the millennials have given up on it. Yep. 29% of us uh, eat guac once a week. At least 6% eat it every day. No, 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 no. That's good fat, but it's still fat. Uh, 8% of the population hates guacamole. I don't hate it. I don't like avocados that are not yet guacamole. And I know that it's mainly, the, but something about whatever, you know, the salt, garlic. The, the garlic and the salt and pepper. Otherwise, I feel like I'm, you know, licking the underside of a fern. You know what I hate about guacamole? Turns brown too quick. Well, yeah. I was going to say guacamole. You got to put the cellophane right down on it. Well, there's something you can do. I don't know if it's you squirt lemon in it or something like that, but guacamole is like a banana, or avocados are like a banana in that way. They're the best right before they turn brown. Yeah. Then the second they turn brown, they still might taste pretty good, but you can't look at that thing and enjoy it. Right. Is there anything brown eat- you can eat that you <laughs> get really- A brownie. Well, yeah. I guess if it starts out brown, (laughs) you're all right. (laughs) If it started out brown, it's fine. If it turns brown. Uh, But my mom would eat anything. Like, it didn't matter. My mom would, like, cut the mold off of anything and keep going. Yeah. She does not care. And I, that always, I could never get down with it. Like, if there's, like, mold on fruit, she'd be like, oh, you just cut that off. I'm like, I think that means there's mold all the way through it. It's infected. And that's just the pimple on it, you know? That's the head of the zit. What about cheese? Dude, my mom, forget it. She she freezes cheese, like in the Albert Brooks movie, and if there's any mold on anything, you shave that right, right off. Right, just cut no it problem. off and eat it. Keep chucking. Well, we might as well stick with the theme and talk more about food and tailgating. What do you think the top tailgating food is? Chicken the, wings. The most popular. Chicken wings. Buffalo chicken dip. No, that is not. Didn't even make the top uh, five. Hot dogs. Surprisingly, wings is number one. How do you? You can't cook wings at a tailgate. You had to. Well, eat first of cold. all, people do bring fryers now. Really? Yes, but that seems most quite people do their tailgate cooking beforehand and then do a heat them up. Situation. Oh, like uh, I. Uh, Catering pan. Yes. A chafing rack. Correct. A lot of chafing going on at the tailgate. (laughs) Uh, Wings followed by burgers, pizza, hot dogs, nachos, and tacos. No sausages in there, huh? 
No, but you could probably put that in the hot dog category. No, you can't. Sausages and hot dogs are two totally different things. Like more of a regionalism. Yeah. Favorite drink? Beer. Yep. No, not a surprise there. Mixed drinks followed uh, with iced tea, wine, wine coolers. Wine coolers. Are Bartles and James going to a lot of football games? <laughs> they have season tickets. They still have wine coolers? You know, Smirnoff Ice. Uh, Zima they, came back. Um, Zima came back, and I was too young to have had Zima the first time around, and I had a Zima, and I was like, oh, that's why this went away. This is not an enjoyable beverage at all. It's a terrible packaging, too. Yeah. I don't know if they still make, like, Mike's Hard Lemonade. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they do. Uh, Lynchburg Lemonade. And, and they have that, uh, like that. The, the hard root beer and, like, the hard Mountain oh, Dew, yeah. oh, I've which never sounds... Seen that. Ugh, Dude, hard Mountain Dew. I would. That is made for you. I might have one of those Monday morning. (laughs) Uh, Cider, hard cider. I love it. Yeah, the cider place is popping up all over town now. Yeah, I uh, I just love it. There's one that opened up like around Troy Hill in the Deutschtown area. Mm. I know. There's Apis Meadery in, uh, right? Well, that's that's, not cider. Oh, that's That's honey wine. And then there's one in Millvale, isn't there? Arsenal. Yeah. 24% 24% of fans said they don't usually drink at a tailgate. Then why are you there? Right. 32% Stay have one or two. Home. 20% do three or four. 4% said they drink seven or eight. 9% drink more than seven or eight drinks at a tailgate. Yeah, I don't know. Last time I I used to tailgate, it was Hardcore. like, yeah, it was, it was my you know reason for being <laughs> for four months and it just got to be so much and it was so difficult in the recovery and the preparation and the cleanup i used to revel in it and then the parking situation got so difficult down there and uh so i toned it down considerably but if you're not drinking in the parking lot there's no reason to be in the parking yeah. lot and if you're not drinking it's gonna annoy you a whole lot more well uh do you play games at your tailgates uh Mind a games. Lot of, <laughs> a lot of people do. Dungeons and Dragons usually. It really freaks people out. Nah, man. Bags. Everyone yeah. plays uh, yep. cornhole. cornhole. That's the number one game. The rest of the top five are beer pong, frisbee or catch, flip cup, and ladder toss. A lot of flip cup. A lot of flip cup. The Beer pong is a little difficult to arrange in a parking lot. Also, when that ball lands on the ground, I mean, ooh. That's a that's mm-hmm. a petri dish that nobody wants to have to have, you know, in their system. You think the ladder toss people really hate cornhole? Like, the it it, it is the the uh, uh, ugly stepbrother of cornhole is the ladder ladder toss. Game. Yeah, that's the one with the the ropes or whatever. Yeah. Two balls on a rope and yeah, you throw it at a thing it. and it gets all tangled and yeah. it's like it feels like Amish. Fundamentally, it's the exact same thing, and yet cornhole, which I don't even really like, is so much more satisfying than well, the ladder just toss. Game. Easier, yeah. Seventy percent of fans think college tailgate parties are way better than NFL. When I well, I went to Penn State, and the tailgates are pretty insane there, and they're very elaborate. But when my brother went to West Virginia, those tailgates that I went to there were those were the most debaucherous tailgates I was ever at. I've seen um, like they do this Destination America TV channel. They do like oh, the best football tailgates. The food they have at these things, yes. Beats out any NFL tailgate I've ever been yeah, to. Yeah, college tailgates, I think, tend to be more fancy. Ten, like they have Winnebago's tents, decked tables, out and catered the stuff. That's when uh, the rich uh, alumni want to... Alumni come in, the often with alumni with students there, and they have an RV, and they have prepared for weeks 
Yeah. Well, joining yeah. us right now, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week from the Pittsburgh Steelers, TJ Watt. And I'm guessing TJ is no stranger to the tailgating scene, having grown up in a football family. And, and Wisconsin would be an exception to the fancy tailgate. Okay, so TJ, first of all, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Now, did you get to hang out at Wisconsin tailgates? Were you old enough to have like uh, a, a, an appreciation for how elaborate they were? I never really was old enough to have a true appreciation, like you said, but I have been able to see them, and I've been around them enough coming in on buses and going to right. a bunch of my brother's games growing up, and uh, they're nothing to mess around with. They're definitely uh, some of the best in the Big Ten, I think. Yeah. yeah, they're some of the friendliest, too. They always invite the other fans. I've had that experience oh, yeah. in Wisconsin. Yeah, they have a great reputation for, for letting anyone who wants to get drunk and have a great time during the party. <laughs> That's just such a good move on so many levels. Like, oh yeah, you know, everybody bring, has a great time. Yeah, and uh, keep your enemies closer. You know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is it uh, the brats are the big thing up there at the tailgates? I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah, the brats are the big part. That's what I try to tell all the guys here. Like, what, how have you never had brat, brats, custard, all, all that stuff Midwestern that a lot of people have never even heard of. Well, Mike Schneck uh, told me a long time ago uh, that the big thing up there for brats was not just to do like a grilled brat, to, but to do it in like a barbecue sauce. Like, the, or there's like a sauce that you put them in. Do I have that <laughs> everyone right? Everyone has their own. Everyone has their okay. own methods. I mean, a lot of people like the cheddar worse too with the cheese inside the brat. So it all depends on what you like. Isn't the best one just simply brat mustard? Go for it. Brat, ketchup, mustard, or you can even throw some stadium sauce on there if you feel fancy. Stadium what about sauce. Sauerkraut? That's the stuff. The stadium. No he- sauerkraut. No I didn't crowd. know I was joining the cooking net cooking network. Yeah. Morning, but no, no sauerkraut. <laughs> Look, we got a big tailgate to prepare for this weekend, TJ. It's the first home game. We got to get our menus straight. You know. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad I can help. Well, hey, is uh, is there going to be any Patrick Mahomes on the menu for you Sunday? I hope so. I hope there's plenty of that in the menu. Um, he's a great quarterback who's. Got a lot of great weapons, so I think it'll be a great matchup for us and a good challenge. Are you worried that by the time the game starts on Monday, they will have taken away all of your sacks and, and, <laughs> no, and you won't be the that. AFC Defensive Player of the Week anymore? That's what I told uh, Hargrave. I said, what the heck, man, how many more are you going to take from me? At 3 o'clock, I had a half taken, and at like 8 o'clock, I had the whole thing taken. So who knows what will happen in the next 24 hours. How much of that uh, ridiculous first game you had with, uh, you know, we're calling it four sacks and a field goal block, how much of that had to do with you switching to the left side? Um, I think it was a little bit of just being hungrier and being more prepared year two, and then also I I definitely think playing left side helped too, um, just because I feel like I'm more instinctual on the left side. I can see the quarterback. I can see through the backfield. I'm not seeing the back of the quarterback all the time. Um and I'm just more comfortable. I'm, I'm a right-hand dominant player. I, I feel like I can bend a lot better from that left side. So I think it was a little bit of everything, but I definitely do feel way better on the left side than the right. TJ, you made the observation the other day getting back to Mahomes. You said we have to let him know we're there. Uh, how specifically do you do that? I just think that we have to we have to get home early, and uh, they have a lot of a lot of gadget plays. They do a lot of uh, pre-snap motioning, a lot of stuff with their playmakers. And if you shut all that stuff down early, they're not going to be able to do all the, the cute stuff uh, throughout the whole game. So I think we just have to get back there, uh, let them know we're there early, um, get them a few hits in the game early, and hopefully he turns into a different player. Yeah, he kind of presents those opportunities, does he not, with all that read option stuff and the, the keepers and the, the mobility that he has. Uh, he doesn't look like a guy who's afraid to get hit. Are you seeing that yeah, out of him? No. 
No, not at all. And I think the the thing about him is a lot of quarterbacks, when they get out of the pocket, they just want to run and get their yards and slide. But um, he, as a young guy, wants to get out, and he's always has his eyes downfield. He's always trying to make a play. So I think that's something that stood out. And he has the arm strength to throw it wherever. If he's scrambling left, he can throw it right. If he's scrambling right, he can throw it left. So um, he's definitely a, a dangerous weapon that they have. Different voices on the defense this year, schematically a little bit different as well. How did that play out for you in week one? What was the big difference, would you say, between playing against Jacksonville last year and Cleveland in week one? Um, at Jacksonville last year obviously was a more uh, old-school type run-down-the-hill um, type football, and the Browns presented the more spread, the quarterback run. Whenever you have a quarterback who can run, it's always um, a challenge, and I think that was something that we could definitely improve on in the future here, and hopefully uh, we can keep Mahomes in the pocket and everything. Um, but it's they're two totally different uh, offenses, and that's why it's awesome to play in the National Football League because you have a new challenge every week. TJ, you so far in your Steelers career, which is not all that long, you, you seem to be uh, pretty buttoned down off the field, uh, pretty businesslike most of the time. When When you get out, in a game, uh, you go crazy after you make a play. Have you always been that kind of Jekyll and Hyde guy in terms of uh, revealing your emotions? Yeah, I think I I love football so much. I I truly do. And, and when you make a play, I I just always told myself that it's it's not everyone gets a chance to play in the NFL. Not everyone gets a chance to make a tackle for loss or a sack in this league. So it's a celebration every time you do something great. So why not celebrate it? Is, is it kind of spontaneous? Because some of them don't like you look like you've worked on them real hard. <laughs> no, they're all spontaneous. No, I'm, I'm not, you had a hell I'm of a high kick on here. Sunday. That was a hell of a high kick. <laughs> I know i got to stretch the hamstrings a little better before I do it next time. <laughs> you work out with your brothers in the off season? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we're all over the place. Um, they're all over the place. They had rehab and stuff. Derek's um, got a wife and a kid on the way, so um, everyone's kind of has their own lives. But we do get, get back home for a few few days or a few weeks at a time but it's, it's getting harder the older we get because i would imagine with the success that you guys are having as a family in the nfl that your workout regimen might be something going forward that you guys could be like the new nfl workout gurus when you're all retired one day you could have like watt gyms all over the country yeah, maybe one day who knows what to wait and see either that or could have a broth place yeah that too watch brats <laughs> Or Wattwurst. Yeah, there you go. Hey, there you go. I like that one. Trent Jordan. Watt. Ladies and gentlemen, your AFC Defensive Player of the Week, TJ Watt. Two sacks last week. (laughs) Stop it. What a game. No, one sack. (laughs) Yeah, they robbing you, TJ. They're robbing you. Well, hopefully. Now, well, hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll get those back this week. Best of luck to you. Thanks for making time for us this morning. And go get Kansas City. Thank you. Take care. Okay, man. We'll see you. Kansas City, by the way, no strangers to tailgating. Oh, they do it well. They do it well. For profe- you know, there's not a lot of teams that have perfected professional football tailgating. I mean, the Steelers have long prided themselves on a Steeler fans. That's kind of going away a little. I, you know, the way that North Shore is developing, the old school tailgating, you got to go further out into the the nooks and the crannies. Have other cities experienced that same thing? I think as more I mean, stadiums you become... you know more because you travel with it, the team. It used to be the trend was to get the stadium away from the city back in the early 70s. Right. And now it's to get it down among the people, get mm-hmm. it closer. But Kansas City's is out. It's off the highway. It's not downtown, so there's nothing but parking lots. There's the baseball stadium and the football stadium right next to each other. So there's a lot of room to put up a tent and go to town. 
Mike Pursuit's got your sports when we return. Great here from Trent Jordan. DVE Sports. All right, ran a little over with uh, Trent Jordan Watt there, and uh, we kind of Bud Dupree'd that one. <laughs> he insists that he was doing what he was told. Bud Dupree. And Mike Tomlin credited him for having a good game. Okay. Let's Th- see. Doesn't if- make any sense to me either, but that's what they're saying. You, you go long. Yeah. You run all the way down there, and somebody will stop and go, what the hell is that guy doing? And he'll be distracted. There's a little more drama going into Sunday than I want there to be with Ben's elbow right now, because I think almost everybody thought, ah, this is nothing. In part, that was because of the way that Mike Tomlin characterized it during his press conference on Tuesday. And maybe in part, it was because on Wednesday, Ben Roethlisberger said, and I quote, I will be fine. Did not practice again yesterday. Uh Wait and see mode to see if he can get out there today and get out there. On I never Sunday. take that when they say I'll be fine. I never 100% put any like stock that that is indeed the case because they always say that they want to play. It's not up to them. You know, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And yeah. sometimes that's just denial on the player's end. Certainly didn't seem like anything uh, during or after the game. He said it happened very late and uh, seemed unaffected by anything in the postgame, but uh, did not participate for a second straight day for Roethlisberger, Joe Hayden, and Dave DeCastro. Vance McDonald, full participant for the second straight day. Tyson Alou Alou Limited, that's up from did not participate, and Cam Hayward promoted from did not participate did not participate to a full participant. So there's your health status. Uh, if Ben Roethlisberger can't go, Josh Dobbs will. The Steelers are planning accordingly this week, as they prepare for the Chiefs, according to the new OC, Randy Fickner, Josh Dobbs is a guy who earned the number two quarterback position and has continued growing into it since. It maybe wasn't a surprise from the inside, um, only because you're daily and I'm still coaching them, uh, that you see that uh, he's making some some strides um, just in system and terminology and familiarity and defensive familiarity in, in anticipation. Um, but those things all happen with having reps. He grew through all that. He got a lot of reps last year, paid dividends for this year, and obviously he took advantage of his reps this year. Yeah, Josh Dobbs in his second year, he has yet to play in a regular season game. So uh, he hasn't done that, but he's been there, and to Dobbs that's a big deal. I would say there's a challenge. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still football. I'm still going out and playing. Um, obviously, you know, you're in the NFL at a different level, but um, you know, I've been here for a year, year and a half, so you know, I kind of got the lay of the land. I've been seeing a lot of books in practice and in games. So um, I wouldn't say you know, there's, there's a challenge. It's just excitement with the opportunity that's in front of you to go out and make the most of it. Yeah, he's been here a year, year and a half. He's got to figure it out. No problem. Yeah, that guy runs over there. I throw it there. Yeah. Hand it off here. We Very win the game. easy. Look, it's one thing for James Conner to be get acclimated, become acclimated in a year because he has to learn one position. When you're the quarterback, you got to know what everybody's doing. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah, well, he's a rocket scientist. When you know how to build a rocket, you ought to know what the flanker's doing. That shouldn't be that big a deal, right? Boy, a lot of people are putting stock in this whole rocket. Cover three, man to thing. man. Is that really that confounding? If your mind is is wired the way Josh Dobbs' mind is wired, I don't know. I assume eventually Einstein could have figured out uh, uh, how to read defenses, but that wasn't his thing. You know, <laughs> intelligence does not always equate into football ability. It doesn't, but I, it's got to help. 
It can't hurt. It, it can't hurt. That's a better way to put it. Uh, speaking of James Conner, uh, 31 carries in Cleveland last Sunday in that 21-21 tie and a critical fumble in the fourth quarter. James Conner was the only running back who carried the ball for the Steelers. They had uh, Stephen Ridley and Jalen Samuels dressed. Those guys didn't get a tote. And Randy Feekner says that was his fault. He screwed up. Yes, he does. Probably chalked that up for me being a young coordinator in this league. Uh, I should have got uh, I should have got um, other running backs in, and um, and like I said, I you know I just know that uh, you know hell we need to do that with with Le'Veon. Uh, you know we need to do that with with uh, young wide receivers and young tight ends, and and you know that's just something that just maybe got away from us. But you know you didn't feel it that way in game, you know, and he was giving you good strength. Um, and and he's obviously was more than capable of, of handling the, at least the snaps he did, and he did a really fine job with it. And I respect that. First game was the OC. I screwed that up. Yeah. Don't screw up anything this weekend, though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not the end of the world, and uh, I respect his uh, accountability, Randy. That All take, right. It takes you a long way in this league, accountability. Prevents the same mistakes from happening again and again and again when you acknowledge them. Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine is here. He'll be reviewing The Predator and A Simple Favor a little bit later on. The Barstool Boys in the coffee house for you when we return. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network who joins us for his, his weekly segment here as we discuss the Steelers week one. Now, Dave, last week... Steelers tied the Brown, uh, Browns in a game that I des- described as, you know, only being uh, uh, attractive to Felipe Vasquez. Everybody else hated that. <laughs> well, but if it ties like kissing your sister, then that guy is all in. Yeah, it's like kissing your sister if your sister is Hugh Jackson. Um, <laughs> I, it, it's, I, first of all, don't call it a tie anymore because then because then the uh, terrorists named uh from ohio win we cannot uh, we cannot accept that that it was a loss go with what cam hayward and big ben said that yeah. was a loss yeah. that's how we need to look at that's it. right it is unacceptable if we allow that into our brain that well it was a tie would have could have been worse no it couldn't have been any worse um that was disgusting <laughs> what happened there now we must wash our hands from it um the the, the brown filth that uh that still covers our hands like Lady Macbeth trying to get the blood off and move on to Kansas City and take care of uh, take care of this youngster, this revelation. We got to shut him down, or else the Steelers are o one and one, and that's no good, dude. A former Bucko son coming back to uh, to wreak havoc in Pittsburgh in, in Pat Mahomes Jr. or two? Is he a deuce or is he a junior? I can't remember. I don't. I, I'm not sure, but I did have the opportunity to meet him um, a, a few months back, and uh, we, we we were stuck in a green room uh, randomly together. And um, there was a plate of it was about like two three p.m. in the afternoon, and uh, someone had left a plate of um, of pastries from earlier in the day out there. And I and I thought that it was a grand opportunity to find out how, what pastry would hurt the most to get struck by. So I had Patrick Mahomes throw various pastries at me. And um, I'm pleased to say that we started, we went croissant and then muffin. Mm -hmm. And the muffin hurt more than the croissant. And I stopped it right there because uh, next up was a scone. And the scone has some weight to it. It might have killed me. Yeah. It might have killed me as hard as he can throw He throws the ball. Now, where was uh, was his release point different per pastry? 
<laughs> I have to get back in the film room, you know. Maybe we could get Trent Dilfer or that uh, sports science guy to break it down yeah. a little bit and figure it out for us. All I know is that the that the uh, that the kid can sling it, um, and and it really did. I mean, how bad would would you think that a, a muffin could drop you to the ground? Um, this cowardly person named Damashek can confirm that yes, it will knock you down to the ground. Um, and, and that's that's what Mahomes did. The the Steelers, though, um, yeah, you know, listen, I'm disgusted by the performance on in Week One, but now we're looking at we got you know the once again it's too early in the season to be having this conversation, but if we're counting that as a loss. It does rear the, the Tomlin thing of going on the road against lesser foes once again rears its ugly head. It seems like 30 years ago that we used to always cite as Steelers fans the Bill Cower statistic of that Cower never blew an 11 point lead. Um, that was a 14 point lead in Cleveland with seven and a half minutes to go, and somehow the Steelers managed to, to blow that game. Um, and Didn't you have the? Ball. I had the feeling after the the Connor fumble. I had the feeling when we when we got the ball back. I thought we're going to cough it up again. It just felt like that was going to happen. You know what? My pessimism, and I and you know, I don't know uh, if you'll believe me on this, but I when I get these strong senses, positive or negative, where the Steelers are concerned during the game, I I'm, I knew. Way back in Super Bowl forty-three, when Larry Fitzgerald was ru- still running down the field, not even before he had crossed uh, the goal line to give the Cardinals the lead with a uh, little over two left in that game. I remember as Larry Fitzgerald was running in, I, as everybody else was panicking and concerned around me, I felt a sense of calm, and I knew what was about to happen. I don't know why, but I, I really did. I knew the Steelers. I knew Roethlisberger was about to drive him down the field. And uh, magic was about to happen. I also knew. How about when Bob Justin Hartwick took a ten-yard penalty on the first play? <laughs> Did you still was feel I, like that? Were, I I, I never that. forget that. I wanted to. Mur- I was so pissed that we took a penalty there, and I couldn't believe it. And it was first and twenty to start that drive. That's exactly right. Yep, you you have a good memory. That's exactly right. And then the next play was that's when you knew we, that uh, we were cooking with gas. Because Roethlisberger put it on Santonio on that one, and uh, and off they went. In in uh, in overtime though on Sunday, I knew Boswell was going to miss that kick. I just knew it. I, yeah. I I we we became way too comfortable as a fan base, and probably the Steelers and Tomlin on the sideline became too comfortable with the idea that things were going to work out because Boswell never missed a kick. Just about. In 2017, tight game, tight game. Steelers should have put this one a while ago. All of a sudden, well, well, Boswell makes the kick. Okay, we we win the game anyway, and that was that. I I I hope that that was a blip in um, in Boswell's otherwise consistent stretch there, because generally speaking, you know, in 2017, the Steelers were escaping. Think about that too. Um, I don't mean to be uh, to be Davy Downer, but um, you know. 13 and 3 last year. There's a reason why we didn't feel collectively like this was a juggernaut despite the record. You thought 13 and 3, huh? They just don't feel 13 and 3 this year, do they? You know, they were good, but they weren't and it was because Boswell kept uh, pulling them out of the fire there with with obviously help from 7 and 
84 and everybody Yeah, else. but he made some big, and, long game-winning kicks. I mean, that's fo- the other thing, yeah. 42 he yards made- in the rain with a high snap, you know, would you, you know, he, he can be forgiven for this one. And my and, and you know what I've been saying now for the last 3 weeks with Levy and Bell and the the Steelers teammates don't have to like it and the fans don't like it, but I do get where 26 is coming from on this. And you saw it on Sunday, and I talked to Maurice Jones-Drew. Ah, uh, you know it. what? It's funny and, you bring up that Maurice Jones-Drew conversation. I want to play this for our listeners who may not have heard it. This is from your podcast, and Maurice Jones-Drew had uh, this to say about Lev Bell. I don't know when he comes back. I mean, people are people are. He, he had a he had a plan. He didn't tell you. Oh, he told me, but I will never say it. <laughs> that is, is, is how I am. And don't jive me with I don't know because you know you, you, you don't, don't you don't me. know. I I knew, but then. I didn't know because all this stuff came out after the players said. Now, now well, I know what about again. that. So I assume you know he's a human being that has to hurt. He's, a, his yeah, he's emotional. Everybody like you would that make the, him feel sad that those yeah, guys no were question. talking I, bad I, on I think him. It, I think it, he hit almost every emotion except for happy. Right? He was sad. He was upset. He was angry. He was livid. All the all the the bad ones. And then at the end of the day, he was like, they don't they they didn't really understand. They don't understand my situation, which is fine. And so. Uh, he'll be, you know, this is part of the business. You just got to keep working and going. So would MJD have me believe that Le'Veon Bell is going to forego another $800,000 because he's his feelings are hurt over the way the linemen reacted? I, that's exactly right. I don't believe that. Can I tell you for real, too? My, my real reaction was... When I and that also has to resonate with Ramon Foster and and Marquise Pouncey and the rest of the guys too. It the first thing I saw was, and I know that people in Pittsburgh and nationally people reacted to it. What does Levy and Bell mean with they with the Monopoly Man Monaco watching the game? Like, oh, is he is he taking a shot at the Steelers or James Conner or anything else? You know what my takeaway was. He's watching the game. Good news. He's not. He's not. <laughs> so uh, he's not I'm detached. That's right. He's not so. He's not emotionally detached. He hasn't moved on from the team. He cares what happens. According to Maurice, he was engaged in rooting for uh, James Conner to have a big day. These are all good signs. Dad was at the soccer game. Dad was at the soccer game. He was just dressed like Max Dugan way back in. Yeah, he was. He was. He was back in the parking lot watching with binoculars. He loves me. Listen, um, uh, maybe, maybe uh, like Chris Rock said, I'm a, I'm a low expectation having uh, mother, but, but that is, uh, I think that that is a great sign, and I really think if you're a member of the Steelers, that's what you want to hear, is that he cares, and because isn't that ultimately what we are worried about, that even when he gets on the field, that he's going to run only 60% as hard as he could, that he's going to save his body. Mm-hmm. That in game he's going to he's going to he's going to say to uh, Big Ben in the huddle like, hey, you know, audible out of that. I don't want the carry here. Like that stuff is. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it gets to a perverse level, but for real people, I think that's what we we don't want. Is a guy we don't want a mercenary for the Steelers the rest of the se- season who's get, who we all know, including him, wants to put on the Colts uniform or the Forty ers uniform or otherwise. In 2019, we want to know that he is present with the 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers and the cause of uh, trying to get back to a Super Bowl. And I really read that sincerely. I read all that stuff as he does. He's just waiting it out so he doesn't have an extra 150 or so touches. Once we get through the bye, 
Bygones will be bygones, and uh, I, I didn't. I, I guess that's uh, tying in after the bye bygones. I don't know, but anyway, I mean that. <laughs> now look, the Chargers dropped a lot of passes. The defense is not great for the Chiefs, even though they tried to bolster the running attack to to, to sort of combat against Lev Bell, who has just killed them, and they don't have to face him this week. But if we can leave Hines with one in the win column. And then feeling a little bit good and, and hopefully get to two and one or however you want to state the record three weeks in, then we'll be in good shape. Do you see the video where uh, the Rams coach, Sean McVay, can remember every play he's ever called? He has, it's crazy. All right, so he has that kind of steel trap memory. If we tied that guy last weekend, I'd be okay with it. But we tied <laughs> Hugh Jackson. Okay? Do you know how bad Sean McVay would beat Hugh Jackson in Jeopardy? It wouldn't even be close. When you put it in those terms, it really is more shameful than I realize. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Use the Jeopardy yeah. barometer to really get a gauge on where your squad's at. It's, we, 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 need a, we need a cleansing. Well, uh, doing it against the Chiefs this week uh, with, uh, with Andy Reid coming into town. So we can only hope that he comes in and just starts cramming permanies down his throat and somehow has a cholesterol fog that allows him to call a, a Pat Mahomes... Uh, run pass option on the goal line again so we can light him up. He made him vulnerable last weekend. Maybe Bud Dupree won't rush past him so far that he sacks the mascot this this Sunday. Maybe, just wonder maybe. Long, wonder, how many long, wonder how many teams have identified that Bud Dupree's goal is to just get as deep into the backfield as possible, and they're just like, let him go. How many times they'll, they'll dupe him into that? Like, look, I got 38 yards into the backfield. Yeah, man, the other teams in the end zone, yeah. Like, yeah, but so what? Um, yeah, listen. I, I wanted to ask Deshaun Jackson if uh, if he ever has seen Andy Reid eat an entire cake by himself, and he said he thinks he has. Yeah, um, there's no so doubt. I, I, I don't, what point that has here, I don't know. But maybe you, with your juice, you could uh, you could try to send him a delivery of minios on the sidelines and see what happens. It'd be a fun social experiment, at least. See did, if Andy Reid. You get distracted mid-game, you know. And crush, crush a minios at halftime. Just come out. No, no, no! Right on the field, like right <laughs> in the, like you have the minios guy stationed at, at, at a critical moment in the game, like right at a Mahomes. The kid is calling timeout. He's a little, uh, he's a little flummoxed at the line. He's got to go talk to the QB guru Andy Reid and figure this thing out on the sidelines. But wait a minute! Here comes the minios guy. Andy Reid's attention. <laughs> Let, who knows? Try it out. Let's see. You don't know. Maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. We don't know until you try. Dave Damashek from the NFL Network. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much. Hey, Bauman, what's a pleasure is what you do every day for the people of Pittsburgh, bringing them together. That's for real. I live out on the West Coast, and I i mean, the people you've con- made connections with for me, with Steve Byrne Stop and it. Uh, Billy Gard. Listen, that those people... Those people wouldn't bat an eye at me, but they know me. They think they know me because of Randy Bauman, the mayor of Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh, not me. I hail your right-hand man, Bill Crawford, for the great work he and Byrne are doing. USO Uh, touring it right now, yeah. Yep, I I have immeasurable uh, admiration for uh, for for that kind of thing, but uh, same goes for everything you do in Pittsburgh, PA. Well, that's nice of you to say. I'm going to edit that part off. Thanks, Dave. What a creep! What a creep! All right, all the best, fellow. I'll talk well, to you next week. Well, we'll see you, man. Thanks so much. Erg. You work out with your brothers in the off season. 
A little bit. I mean, we're all over the place. Um, they're all over the place. They had rehab and stuff. Derek's um, got a wife and a kid on the way, so um, everyone's kind of has their own lives. But we do get get back home for a few few days or a few weeks at a time, but it's, it's getting harder the older we get. Because I would imagine with the success that you guys are having as a family in the NFL, that your workout regimen might be something going forward, that you guys could be like the new NFL workout gurus when you're all retired one day. You could have like Watt gyms all over the country. Yeah, maybe one day. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Either that or could have a brat place. Yeah, that too. Watts brats. Or Watworst. Yeah, there you go. Hey, there you go. I like that one. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Watworst. AFC Defensive Player of the Week, J.J. Watt on with a T.J. Watt, rather, with us uh, earlier. I always want to know, because he has a third brother in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Or there, there is a third brother. I always wonder with those families that have multiple athletes, how much food did those guys eat? I always want to know how when many they were kids. How many gallons of milk did you have to keep at one time? Yeah. Maybe we should have their mom on. Oh, that would be a great idea. Mama Watt. Yeah. Derek, uh, JJ, and TJ Watt all playing in the NFL. Pretty remarkable. Uh, all right. We're running way behind because it's Friday. Oh. It's Steeler oh, Friday. Oh, my and goodness, e- we are. Yeah, and everything <laughs> just gets goofed up. So why don't you go ahead and uh, give us the lowdown on the All news right. Side. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Al Dozier. It's 72 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. What is 100 feet long, 11 feet wide, 6 feet tall, and stuck in the Michigan sewer system? It's a Michael fat, Moore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fatberg. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. no. And it could be accumulating in a sewer near you. A fatberg is a giant ball of grease and any other foreign objects in addition to sewage collected in the city's main line. It's like a blob that just sucks up everything that it encounters. Roto-Rooter technicians say this is not the job for one man in a truck. He says this is going to cost millions to unclog. He wants people to think about before think before you pour grease down the drain, or you use the baby wipes. The the baby the adult the adult butt wipes. If you're an adult and you use moist wipes because you want to afford yourself that luxury, well, I got bad news for you. You're going to have to take an additional step that you don't want. <laughs> right. And that means. Them? Yeah, not flushing them. Yes. Putting them in a bag. You cannot do... Well, you can. It's just bad. And that is not a pleasant experience to have to take part of that routine (laughs) and move it outside of the normal transactions that occur. Nor is it fun for anyone else who has to use your bathroom. That's true, too. Only so many steps between that and Howard Hughes. That's true. You'll be jarring urine soon after. Collecting your fingernails, weighing them. Who pours grease down the drain? Like, I learned that when I was a kid not to do that. I screwed up a few years ago, and I had coffee grounds going down the drain. Well, I don't think that's bad, is it? Yeah, you can't do that. They get hard. Yeah, trust me. What if you have a garbage disposal? Doesn't matter. That stuff hardens. Don't put coffee grounds down the drain. Because what happens is those ones that have the the little screen, and you're like, oh, this is nice. I'll never use a coffee filter again. But you... You gotta. You can't put them in down the drain. Don't put the K cup down there. <laughs> what? The K cups. No. Definitely don't put those down there. They have biodegradable K cups now. 
Oh, good. You can order K cups that are that will. I got to get on that. Be biodegradable because that's one of the big complaints people have about using them is they leave a big footprint, so to speak. They're going to be floating in the ocean. Yeah, that's right. Right by the lagoon that they're putting up on the north side. Did you see that? What? Oh, that's uh, that's exciting. There, Val, I can't believe you didn't get to the story. There is a, f- a firm has announced plans to put a lagoon and an ice rink in the north shore down on the chateau. Uh, area yeah, of the uh, Ohio Chateau Street yes there's going to be a huge ice rink and a crystal blue lagoon it's the first one they're putting like Gilligan's Island yes which I'm very excited for because that means very soon we're going to hear this sentence in Pittsburgh you just want to go down a goon <laughs> <laughs> a crystal blue lagoon I like I heard it. it's going to have thermal baths which right you hear How that? How did I miss this story? You hear that, and you you're picturing the Instagram models in Iceland, when really it's going to be you know Bubba from Blonox just basting down there on the shore. That's always the problem with locations is yeah. that when they bring in things that are uh, uh, more skewed towards you know the this looks like a tropical pool. climates uh, uh-huh. those people don't come with it no <laughs> you still got a bunch of people and that is very close to the stadium um when the first kenny chesney crowd gets to that lagoon oh yeah it's gonna it, it, well it's gonna become the michigan fatberg that's right is it's, what's gonna happen it's a small version of the blue lagoon the famous one in, outside of reykjavik in uh, iceland mm-hmm. that everybody goes to and instagrams everybody flies five and a half hours so they can get an instagram of themselves in the blue lagoon in iceland this is a 15-acre development called the Esplanade, Val. Dude, we're going gooning. I don't care what you say. <laughs> it's a pool, it looks like. It's a goon. Goon. Don't we have one of these already at Sandcastle? No. That's a lazy river. It's a whole different thing. That... There's a wave pool there. Where? At the goon? No, at Sandcastle. Yeah, that's not a lagoon. This is a lagoon, which is also a bean. It looks lovely. <laughs> It does look lovely. What's more it's likely? I mean, the white sand beach is very nice. Let's this to- or the Cross River zipline? Which is more likely to actually come to pass? Well, if the Cross River zipline would have come from the top of Mount Washington and, yeah. and landed in the point, I think it would have been one of the greatest things ever. Uh, that'll never happen in a million years. This is happening. Yeah. This is official. The lagoon is happening. So uh, It says there's going to be a Ferris wheel there, too. Yeah, dude. It's going to be like London and Iceland and everything wrapped into one. Basically, we're going to be the Epcot of cities. You can just come here and have a world experience right on Chateau Street. Hmm. Because who doesn't want to go to a lagoon on Chateau Street? This will be good for Get Hip Records, at least. (laughs) Should Uh, increase traffic there. People will go to the lagoon, then go buy some records. And and, uh, now you're going to have people parking at the casino to go to the goon, just (laughs) walking through in bathing suits with their towels. Dude, we're getting the best day because Stillers play at 8.15. Night game. Morning, goon. <laughs> Afternoon, down a casino. We're going to goon it up. We're going to goon, gamble, I got and go Steelers. Um, a self-published novelist who once wrote How to Murder Your Husband apparently uh, knew what she was writing about. She was arrested last week on suspicion of killing her husband. Now, I would have been suspicious if I were her husband when she began work on the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I might have left right then when she typed the first chapter. <laughs> like, what's this about, honey? Oh, all righty. 
I'm going to go to the lagoon. I'll see you. <laughs> Police in Portland, Oregon arrested 68-year-old Nancy Crampton Brophy on murder charges. She is accused of fatally shooting her husband, Daniel, back in June at the Oregon Culinary Institute where he worked. Students arrived at the school and found him dead. In How to Murder Your Husband, Nancy described possible motives and murder <laughs> weapons her main character might use if she were to kill her fictional husband. <laughs> They're probably like all specific to him. Some motives might be his mother is a horrible pain in the ass <laughs> who lives in Bloomington. Finally, Mac Miller's music could be taking over the Billboard 200 next week. Industry forecasters believe seven of his albums will be charting. They also predict that his swimming record will jump from the 71st spot to the top five. Miller died last week from an apparent drug overdose, and since then his music streams have jumped nearly a thousand percent. Forecast today, clouds, sun, humid, showers and thunderstorms, possible possible temperatures in the low 80s. It's 72 at DVE. Point Park University stage setting for the DVE Coffee House. Today's band, Borstal Boys, and this is like an all-star lineup. I don't even know what to compare this to. Music veterans from the Pittsburgh music scene, Rocky Lamont, Scott Wilson, Vinnie Q, Patrick Norman, uh, Joe Plesky, um, uh, Mark Ponsibi. Did I say your name right, Mark? It's Ponsonby. Ponsonby. Dude, did you make those cookies? Yes, I did. Holy oh, cow. Oh, it's always yeah. about his cookies. He's our secret the weapon. The cookies, famous. the cookies, the cookies. Oh, yeah. Glad you enjoyed them. Wait, are we going to be super high? Or are those just... Oh, yeah. Wait till they kick in. Let me know when... Let me know when you make those cookies. Uh, Katie Simone also on vocals. So you guys got a big band. And uh, I first learned about you. I think that uh, Scott Mervis might have uh, written about you guys a couple weeks ago on the Post-Gazette. And I was like, wow, there's a bunch of heavy hitters right there. What do you guys got going for us here today? Uh, first song we're going to do is Greenlight. We want everyone to check us out on Facebook. Uh in uh, vaultrecording.com vault record the vaultrecording.com vault recording, yes okay and uh the the borstal boys b-o-r-s-t-a-l what's borstal well it's a british term kind of uh like a juvenile home the borstal home i believe okay so you are a bunch of juvenile delinquents. I got you. All right, so Green Light, this is the uh, the first song for us. Here they are live on the Point Park University stage in the DVE Coffeehouse. Borstal Boys on DVE.
Pursuit with your sports. We're getting set for Steelers Chiefs Sunday, the home opener for the black and gold at Heinz Field, a one o'clock kickoff. And you'll hear all of it here on DVE. That we are, and it has been a busy week as it always is in the regular season. A lot has happened. There's been a lot to keep track of uh, as uh, we have started to do here at the DVE Morning Show, a tradition dating back to last week. <laughs> I boil it down for you in uh, one quick two-minute drill to catch you up. Here's what uh, you need to have heard in advance of Chiefs at Steelers. If I don't think I'm better than B.J. Finney coming in, that's, there's no point of me going in there and being selfish and trying to be a tough guy. That's just stupid, and I don't want to do harm to the team. So we'll make the decision when we get there. Oh, really confident. You know, guys have definitely stepped up. When guys have went down or um, you know had days or had 
nicks and injuries going on. Everyone in the room has the most confidence in everybody. That's just how we play. That's just how you know our style of play and our game is built. I'm part of a team. That's part of being a pro. You got to do your job. And as a pro, I got to be prepared for whatever situation or whatever circumstance comes on game day. We could talk all day about things that are online or on the internet or in social media. I just choose to stay away from it um, because it's a waste of my time. There's very little accountability. There's very little journalistic integrity, etc. Guys say things they don't mean. I talk to my teenagers about it all the time. Let's keep it professional and in the and in the real. I don't know if he necessarily loves to run the ball, but he can run the ball. Um, that's always a challenge for a defense. I think we just got to let him know we're there early and make him stay in the pocket and make him use his arm strength. He is the fastest guy in the league. He can make a play out of nothing and turn it into a touchdown. How fast do you think he is? Easily, easy 4-2. Easy 4-2, low 4-3 on a bad day. Yeah, we did a lot of good things in the game, man. It just sucks that some of it got negated from the you know, the stupid things that we did. It's a lot to learn from, a lot to grow from, and luckily it was early in the season. It's not exactly how I wanted it to go down. Same thing, I'm sure, with the staff and coach and everything else, so we just had to adjust. I like to think he's ready. He has to be ready. He doesn't have a choice, but anyone probably playing in their first real game probably isn't ever ready enough. I've been thrust into action before, twice in college, so just got to be ready when your number's called. Go out and make plays and just play football how you've been doing your whole life? You know, we like to have fun too. You know, I mean, you get excited after you make a big play, so why not celebrate? Well, if he's going to be a runner, yes. Yeah, we're going to hit him. If he's going to act like a runner, we're going to treat him like one. So, we'll see. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like this, Mike. I like this. That's a touchdown in uh, a buck 51. We didn't need the two timeouts we still had left. To recount, David DeCastro may or may not play. He's not going to force it because they have B.J. Finney in reserve. Cam Sutton may or may not replace Joe Joe Hayden. Morgan Burnett didn't start Uh, last week. Terrell Edmonds did, but Morgan Burnett, the veteran, he's okay with that. Whatever role they want him in, if they want him to start, he'll start. If they want him to be a sub-package guy, it's all about the team for Morgan Burnett. Mike Tomlin didn't think anything about Antonio Brown's threatening tweet. Art Rooney II had a much different take on it. We didn't hear from Art. But, I uh, think Mike is going to rethink that again. Uh, I think he should. T.J. Watt, uh, they maybe should uh, introduce themselves to Patrick Mahomes early and often on Sunday. Mike Hilton knows that uh, Tyreek Hill's really fast. That's a problem. Marquise Pouncey knows the offense could have scored a whole lot more than it did in Cleveland. Vance McDonald finally getting back on the field. Better late than never. Randy Feekner, Josh Dobbs, better be ready. Josh Dobbs, hell yeah, I'm ready. Tyler Matikiewicz, remember that team picture the special teams took after they backed Cleveland up on the kickoff? They were having some fun, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And Keith Butler hit the quarterback when you get a shot. They're going to give you chances, Randy. This is the one thing that amazes me about the way Kansas City used Patrick Mahomes in that opener against the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. I've screwed that up about 17 times this week. <laughs> This kid, I think, has all the potential in the world. I would not be running him into the teeth of the defense on the goal line and letting him get blasted and face masked and everything else. But if he wants to run a little RPO and keep it, they want to run a jet sweep action play with Tyreek Hill, and uh, Mahomes has the ball in option mode, nail him. Within the rules, absolutely. But nail him every chance you get. That's going to be a big aspect of Sunday's game. Keeping Tyreek Hill in front of you and tackling the catch. Don't fall for all the deception. They're going to run a lot of motion, a lot of fake handoffs, a lot of pitches, a lot of gargonzola. That's what Kansas City does. Be where you're supposed to be despite it. And uh, by all means, attack that Kansas City secondary because it's not good. All right. Michael closes. In fact, it's really bad. we got to get to three things here. 
to close out the show, including one more from the band, Sean Collier reviewing the movies, and Mike's pregame soliloquy, soliloquy, preamble. I don't know. What do we call it? Whatever that is. I kind of like soliloquy. Uh, the uh, anniversary. It's like carousel or something. Today's the one-year anniversary of our friend Huffy, Matt Huff, getting his heart at Children's Hospital. Oh, awesome. He joined us uh, like three weeks later on our Radiothon broadcast. We're two weeks away from Radiothon. We'll be broadcast. No, wait, Jesus, is it next Thursday? Yeah. Holy A week from God, it's, it's six days away. Mm-hmm. I got to start paying attention to stuff. <laughs> uh, we are six days away from Radiothon. And happy anniversary, Huffy. And he's doing great. He is. He's going to be moving out to the West Coast pretty soon and working in the entertainment industry. We had him doing movie reviews here on the show for a while. Also, today in 1964, Sean McDowell's dad interviewed the Beatles. Saw that. Oh, wow. As they uh, made their way to play at the Civic Arena. and uh, the only performance here, right? It was, yes. No word of what they were doing backstage before the show. <laughs> it was like 20 minutes? The concert? Yeah. Probably. Back then, they all did those short sets. Uh, and I uh, want to remind you, local music everywhere. Yes, you got Millvale Days and all the, the great artists playing there, but uh, our friend Billy Price at the Oaks Theater tonight. Uh, he is back in town. The Borstal Boys got one more for you coming up, so uh, we got a bunch to get to here. Quick break. We'll be right back. More getting you ready for Steeler Sunday. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman and welcoming Sean Collier from Pittsburgh Magazine for a quick review of a couple of movies out this weekend. Well, it's interesting. This is the first time on this program I have discussed a Predator film. And that is after many years of my father, the inimitable Gene Collier, referring to me as the Predator on this very same program, (laughs) as long-time listeners will know. Which, by the way, was a little weird growing up. I Believe me, I'm not complaining there were privileges to growing up the son of a curmudgeonly regional sports pundit. But when you're just a 10-year-old... And you're out. Just picture me. I'm just, it's 1995. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to enjoy a WWF house show at the Civic Arena. Maybe parlay that into a Brett the Hitman heart foam finger. And a guy in a Neil O'Donnell jersey, not the good kind, the stretchy kind you bought at Hills, comes up to me and says, you the Predator, you the Terminator. That's weird. Over and over and over again. Over and over again for 30 years. So to clear it up, I'm the Predator. Andy's the Terminator. I don't think Gene has seen either of those films. And no, we're not allowed in the press box. The press boxes of the 80s and 90s. Not family-friendly environments, Mike, I think you will attest. Not now either. Not now either. So, uh, uh, this caps off 30 years of that question, and I can say the Predator movie is okay. We have another sequel to a movie that was great. The original Predator is great. I don't know that we really needed a sequel to it. There were some guys in the jungle. A thing was killing them. They had to deal with that. The more you get into the Predator's backstory and origin and biology, a lot of Predator biology in this one, mm-hmm. the more it loses it. It's oh. good when it it feels like the original. There's some guys. They have to kill the thing. There's a cool group. Keegan-Michael Key is in there. Trevante Rhodes, who is in Moonlight. Right. Uh, Olivia Munn is is uh, kind of the star of this. She one outed a, a predator job. who was actually on the film. <laughs> yes, it was a, a meeting of predator and and predator An on this one. Predator, yes. <laughs> if you uh, like the series and you want to go, I wouldn't discourage you. It barely gets where it's going. I wouldn't tell you to run out and see it either. The one I really like this weekend uh, was a simple favor, okay. which looks like kind of that trendy, sexy, ripped from the pages of a nonfiction, Gone Girl on a Train, those kind of movies. It is one of those, but I didn't even realize until I was on the way to the theater, directed by Paul Feig, 
of Bridesmaids and uh, The Heat and the Ghostbusters remake. And so it does that thing that Scream did for slashers, where Scream was kind of a slasher movie itself and a satire of them. This is that for those kind of new thrillers, where it really works on the surface and kind of breaks it down as well. Anna Kendrick is one of my favorite actresses. She does a great job. That's what I would go see this weekend. If you want The Predator, watch the original Predator, or Jesse Ventura will tell you he ain't got time to bleed. Now all he has time to bleed. Now all he has is time to bleed. I have plenty of time, and I'm worried about bleeding. Not in demand. Actually, that guy. I might be a hemophiliac. I'm not sure. Go see a simple favor, Predator. Eh. Mike uh, pursued. It was great with the chew in Predator. Oh yeah, that was that was one of the great tobacco chaw and performances. That was actual chaw. That was not stunt chaw. The Borstel Boys upstairs uh, on the Point Park University stage in the DVE Coffeehouse. They got one more for us. What do you guys got? Hello? Fellas? Hey, we got Rust Belt. This one's not on the record, but okay. uh, this one's called Rust Belt. Rust I Belt. Mark was going to talk there. He was the grown-up. No He's worries. Eating He's eating a cookie. He's the yeah. most responsible. They put down a cookies. September 23rd at This Is Red in Homestead. That's the CD release show for the Borstal Boys. Here they are with one more Rust Belt on the Point Park University stage in the DVE coffeehouse. The Borstal Boys. Take it away. Feels like a lion's den. I keep a chip before the crowd at the fan. A scrappy prick to the bitter end. Broken heart, crumbling bridge. Underpaid over Medicaid. In the eyes, in the cold, in the rain. Come on, able, let's raise some cane. I'm just a rust belt, never to win. Everybody's working for the weekend Four quarters gives a dollar spend I blend in like a comedian Down by the river that never ends A super rat with a be key He sold his kids out for a bag of weed In the eyes, in the cup, in the heat Just 
Check them out September 23rd at This Is Red and Homestead. That's their CD release party. Great job, guys and girls. Sounded fantastic. Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. TheVaultRecording.com and check them out on Facebook as well. We are getting set for Sunday football in the Berg. The home opener for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Will Ben Roethlisberger be healthy enough to play? Sat out yesterday again. Boy, it would uh, bode well for the black and gold if he suited up and practiced today. I'm not a doctor, but usually two days of rest for an elbow is good. That's my theory. Well, that theory is going to be put to the test. Mike Pursuta getting you set with his pregame soliloquy here on the DVE Morning Show. Call it the opening kick. Yeah, I like that. Hey, the opening the kick. They didn't beat the Browns, which was disappointing, if not confounding. Disaster was averted, but the result was still interpreted as an opportunity missed. Last Sunday's 21-21 tie was indeed like kissing your sister if you have an ugly sister. The Steelers will have to be better against Kansas City than they were in Cleveland, appreciably if not dramatically. They'll need to move the ball the way they did for openers, but without turning it over. They'll need to contain the quarterback without succumbing to the occasional breakdown. They'll need to keep the coverage close and competitive, tackle the catch, and catch a couple more of the balls they might get their hands on. They might even need Chris Boswell to hit the critical kick this time. Boswell's rare failure in overtime illustrated a point defensive coordinator Keith Butler had emphasized back in OTAs about 13-3 being a mere handful of missed field goals away from 8-8. Eight eight. Dad gummit if last Sunday didn't turn Coach Butts into a prophet. Then again, you didn't have to be Nostradamus to predict six turnovers wasn't going to cut it even in Cleveland. The Steelers are better than that, Ben Roethlisberger in particular, and there's reason to suspect Cleveland was more of an aberration than a revelation that Roethlisberger, right elbow willing, remains poised to orchestrate an offense that's tough to stop when it doesn't stop itself, that the new look secondary in whatever configuration will be comprised of DBs who are able to stop the big play bleeding, that the special teams can be a winning influence whenever a ball is returned or kicked. But all of that may have to come to fruition against Kansas City. The Browns are better than they've been in seasons past, but the Chiefs are in a different weight class. Are you ready for some football? Mike Tomlin wasn't kidding when he called Tyreek Hill Kansas City's chief receiving threat. His arrow is most definitely pointed up, but so are those in the quivers of Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Sammy Watkins, and especially quarterback phenom Patrick Mahomes. So the defense had better circle the wagons. The Roethlisberger saga, meanwhile, has complicated preparations for the offense and perhaps exacerbated stress levels among those not yet sold on Josh Dobbs. That would be everyone but Josh Dobbs. So there's a lot to deal with coming out of Cleveland. Having tied the Browns ought to be the least of the Steelers' concerns. Mike Pursuit yeah. again, you said Sunday kickoff, 1 o'clock. The pregame starts at 9 a.m. here 
on your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Special thanks to the Borstal Boys for being here today, to AFC Defensive Player of the Week, TJ Watt. Also, great, the, great half sack he had against the Browns. And uh, also thanks to the NFL Network's Dave Damashek and Pittsburgh Magazine's Sean Collier. The next edition of Sean Collier presents an arcade comedy theater with John Evans and Suzanne Lawrence. That's in two weeks. Tickets on sale now. Also, hey, I wrote a play, uh, and tickets are on sale Tuesday. It's an original, immersive thriller. It's going up in November. Tickets are very limited, uh, but they will be available Tuesday for more. Follow me on Twitter, and I'll be updating you there, at Sean Collier PGH. Is it about Rocky Blyer? It is not. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll work him in when you show up. 11 to 1 tomorrow, I'll be at the uh, grand opening of the new Speedway convenience store uh, right near Kennywood. And then I'll be hosting the Steelers pregame tailgate at Stage AE. I'll be filling in for Bill. Next man up. Yes. Next Val up. Yep. That's right. Crawford uh, See you there. overseas on a USO tour entertaining the troops. He'll be back late next week. Need to go, I have Bill. great confidence in Val that there will be no drop off. Might even be better. <laughs> well, we'll see. There might be a tailgate controversy <laughs> next week. It's possible. It is possible. Which way do you go? Hard to predict. <laughs> Hard to predict at that point. They might they might just give her the nod. You don't know. Tom and Tuds and Aspenwall, that's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. By the way, when are we going there? Two twenty five Bud Light twenty ounce drafts during all right Steeler now. games. Like <laughs> <laughs> right frickin' now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Enjoy Millvale Days. Clarks are playing there tomorrow night. A pretty good run-up to that, too. Andre Costell and the Cool Miners. Kayla Skirman. Uh, and uh, also um, Gene Werewolf. Man, so many like, music festival type things this summer. They're castle. And the, the weather's oh supposed God. to be great. It was awesome last night down there, so I highly recommend you mm-hmm. get out there and check it out. Uh, that is it for us. We're out of here. Am I missing anything, Joe? Okay, I think we're good. Let's go Steelers. Let's go Steelers. Oh, God, I hope his elbow's okay. Oh, God. Oh, my elbow. No, don't. Just. Maybe he had his funny bone. I mean, that really can be painful. His humorous? Maybe it's still going zing, zing, I've never found him to be all that humorous. That's what it is. That's why they call it the funny bone, right? Isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. It's the, not humorous, it's humorous, right? Isn't that how you say it? Or, Or is it humor, humor? I've always said humorous. Femur. This is one of those discussions Femur. that should not be on the radio. It should be like just <laughs> little small talk. I not... always find that anatomical minutia gets me ready for some football. Next week in the coffee house, anatomical <laughs> minutia. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him done, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.